What's up, everybody? Welcome to Coliseum Classics, Episode 2. My name's Duke. I'm going to guide you through this here recap of the villains of the squared circle. I'm here with this gruesome twosome host of No Sold, a wrestling podcast, John, and our roadman, Zern. And before we get into episode two, we do want to recap uh, our first episode, which was WWF Super Tate. You can look this up and check it out for yourself over on Peacock if you care to. Um, I did want to go over just some comments really quick. Um, you know, always appreciate the feedback when we do one of these. Um, first comment in there was on YouTube by our own resident Zern. Zern, we missed a... Uh, a social media platform that you couldn't remember you want to fill us in how can we forget tout how the world famous tout of course how gotcha. and then we had our man ed uh he just said how you know our love for the old school really came through on that first episode um and we appreciate that he said he felt like you know he had memories because um he was a young a youngster watching that stuff just like we were so uh he really enjoyed it and he wanted to give a quick shout out to his favorite part of the tape the powers of pain absolutely the warlord and the barbarian uh so that was cool and then our boy mortis make sure you follow him on youtube papa spice uh he just said he absolutely loved it he loved the intro with the audio um he said he wanted to hook that right into his veins and that's courtesy of john um john take a bow because every week every episode the editing the um the quality of these things is just superb and that's solely because of john so be sure to give him his props when you see him or talk to him and uh yeah that. so this one we're gonna get into uh the villains of the squared circle for this week and then next week so you guys can follow along we're gonna be watching and talking about hulk hogan real american so these are both found on peacock this one we're going to cover villains of the squared circle and you can check out hulk hogan real american for the following one so let's get into it so we start out with this awesome old school intro the five thousand years ago thing i don't know if uh listeners if you know what that is but it's you know, it's basically saying that um, wrestling has been around for 5,000 years at, and they treat it very seriously, which is interesting based on what the World Wrestling Federation would eventually become. But it's really cool. Guys, what do you think, Zern? Um, I know you have memories of this one. Yeah, this is uh, probably my second favorite intro of all time. The world, What the world is watching is number one, um, mm -hmm. probably from like 89. They had two different versions of that. But this one here was right behind it. I mean... The whole build up going to the Coliseum, talking about Greece, yeah, hundreds of years later. I mean, it was it was phenomenal. I loved it. That one there was before our time, like definitely before my yeah. time watching live Coliseum home video. Like I said, we didn't get them right away, but um, I think what the world was watching was one of my first memories. But watching that, um, yeah, that really brought back memories of rewatching them. And uh, yeah, I probably ranked that number two overall as my favorite intros into them videos. What do you think, John? Nice. Yeah, I thought it was another pretty uh, prestigious intro, like last week's Super Tape. It gets you pumped up, took the business pretty uh, seriously, even though, like you said, dude, there's so many silly references throughout these Coliseum videotapes. 
you know, although the intros are always cool. So I love it. Gets me pumped. Yeah, I'm with you, Mike. That one is definitely the what the world is watching. You can hear it. You can see it in your head. John, you're probably with us on that. That's like, that's 100%. it for us growing up. But so um, <clears throat> after the intro, we get to see our host, of course, Mean Gene Okerlund. Mm -hmm. And he introduces his guest host, Bobby the Brain Heenan, but he's not alone. Mm -mm. He's got Big John Stud and King Kong Bundy. And it's interesting. Did you guys notice he said the entire Heenan family? Yeah. yeah. That so was at it. this time, right, that was it. Um, so what'd you guys think of, you know, this introduction of, you know, Bobby's always gold, right? So you figure we're going to get some awesome... Uh, anecdotes from him but um what'd you guys think when you saw this john boy yeah these heels they're uh they're laughing at all their own dastardly acts <laughs> you know they're just uh mean gene calls them sick people at one point you know gene's hilarious king kong bundy so it's weird because uh he looked like an older man when i was a kid but i look at him mm -hmm. now and he looks like a young man yeah mm -hmm. yeah i guess that's how it works with time but it's crazy because yeah. he, he looked like a young blood in that heenan family he really did, Mike. He looked like a like a baby face. Like it's crazy. Yeah, he was definitely fresh faced. I was expecting like five guys to come out from, from the back. And when I was yeah. seen the two, I was like, I was down with it. Um, Big John Stubb with the with the suit, with the with the with the shirt opened up. It was uh, very classy of him, dressed up and for the he, occasion. They um, I like you'll see throughout this tape, like they always believe that they're right which I like a lot from the mm -hmm. villain, not just a guy saying I'm a bad guy and blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, um, Big John Stud says, like, you know, a lot of that type of stuff defending their their way of doing things. So I thought yep. that was cool. So after that, we start with our first match, which mm -hmm. is Jake the Snake Roberts taking on Scotty McGee, a young, fiery uh, up-and-comer. I was actually impressed by McGee in this match. Um, I don't really remember ever seeing him. He was kind of a throwaway guy, I guess. But, Mike, what do you think of uh, this match? When I seen the intro, I had to push pause for a second because this reminded me of Tom McGee. Remember the whole Bret Hart? Oh, yeah, the loss. But I'm like, this is not the same guy. So I had to Google him and give him a little research there. And it turns out his dad was big into wrestling um, and he had all the connections. So what if I told you he was trained by Ric Flair? Mm. Buddy Rogers, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and Carl Gotch. This guy, wow! Was. This guy, Scott McGee. Um, he was. That's yeah. His dad was Jeff Ports. That's I, I never heard of him before in my life, but supposedly he had all the connections. These guys really respected him, and um, that's why they trained his son. But uh, I thought his son was like not even knowing all that. I thought for an enhancement guy, he's very fluid. Yeah, and he kept it kept it going. So I was really into that but i was yeah i was definitely shocked at uh, all them guys i mean all these hall of famers that he got trained by yeah i thought um the opposite believe it or not i thought he was a little uncoordinated scotty mcgee mm. in there mm. it, i i just was um you know this is very early in jake's career working as a heel so i was thrown off also by that because mike you might know about this or both of you guys but this was um i guess jake was about to did they film the thing on on uh the snake pit where with him ddt and hulk hogan it hadn't aired yet or do you have any insight on that zern because... i believe this was before this is uh his only i think his second appearance on tv so this is okay. this was taped uh 
April 22nd, 1986. And it was his second appearance on a, not to say a house show, but like a, a televised house show. Right. This is at the garden, I believe. So, right. Um, I just was confused because by the time they, they uh, aired the thing with Hogan on the snake pit, he was being cheered in real life as a baby face. So they had mm-hmm. to nix, nix that potential. Wow. I, I only bring that up because this is just early Jake and he's working as a heel. Mm-hmm. And I'll let you guys go through the match a little bit. No, go ahead, John. Bring us through. Mm-hmm. Well, I just know that, you know, Jake, we talked about it last week on our Super Tape episode. The agility that Jake has, Duke, you say it all the time. Just because you can doesn't mean you have to. Mm -hmm. This is another example. Like, Jake's so good at his movements, just like taking on that snake persona, you know. But um, I think I I wish Jake would have had a longer run as a heel from the jump because he really was so much better as a heel, right? We had to wait a while for him to finally get back into that mode against Macho Man and stuff like that. But I like mm-hmm. this early Jake a lot. Mm-hmm. How about them tights too? They're, they're, they're top five for him. At, I mean, they yeah, were hell yeah. phenomenal. So cool. His boots weren't quite there yet. No, like but he's his... got, he's got the snakeskin boots, but they're not quite like what mm-hmm. you would end up with. If you noticed. But his tights pop though. The first thing you oh, yeah. see, like, I mean, they they pop right off the screen. So they're and iconic. Those tights. Yeah, and we've talked about this, you know, at length about how, you know, Vince would take these guys and just put that little shine on them. And like, mm-hmm. you guys saw his stuff in Mid Atlantic. He's wearing like red like pajama pants, you know, exactly. like um, and Vince is like, all right, we're gonna bring them in. We're gonna put them in some, you know colorful tights put a snake on them give them snake skin and it's just like it makes such a difference like especially as like a kid like i feel like back in the day when you watched wrestling you knew what everybody was about you know almost just based on their on their ring attire you know like Mm -hmm. good or bad you know you could recognize them which i think um is missing now where everybody wears black and kick pads you know so like that's one thing um we talk about it all the time. Vince took him and just, to me, took him to the next level. And I mean, Jake, you know, everything he was handed, he turned to gold. Let's be honest. I think um, that was the attention to detail. Like they really put a lot of work into yep. these characters back then. And maybe you could have got to get away with it back back then a little bit more than now. People, fans were willing to accept a guy that, you know, kind of brought a snake out or acted like a snake. And like you said, the gear had a snake on it. Now, you know, I don't know. Fans seem to be, I guess, more prone to like the, the basic stuff, like you said. So, I mean, is is that the case or is that just, you know, what it is now? You know what I mean? I think that you can retrain people, you know, um, to the less is more to, yeah. you know, um, I don't know. I, I don't think that everything has to be black and kick pads and all the same, you know, because like some of the most popular guys ever were not that, you know, so, right. you know, like one you of the said, greatest... there was all these guys in here, whether it was Hillbilly Jim, you knew what he was just by yep. looking at him and it could, the list goes on and on. And they were just so yeah, good and, at And that's a whole conversation. Yeah. That's a whole conversation, but I definitely, yeah. I'm not sold on the thing where like, Oh, well it just is what it is now, you know? Cause I think that they could, if they tried, I think that they could, you know, retrain people. In every yeah. aspect of wrestling, you know? Absolutely. I mean, this is what, 35 years ago, right? 
Mm-hmm. And when I was watching this 35 some years ago, and I'm watching this and Gabrielle walks in, my seven-year-old daughter, and she was mesmerized by Jake's tights mm. and by mm. the snake. So she watched the whole match. It was only what four minutes, five minutes. Mm. She she asked me why does he have the snake out, but he she was just like that. She was hooked. And this is you and me, all three of us in 1987, 88, re-watching mm-hmm. this. He hooked us in two seconds. I mean, just yep. like that. So Charisma. I think I mentioned it on No Sold, um, but like I had two wrestling T-shirts when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. One was Macho Man and one was Jake the Snake. That's awesome. You had and the green, like, green Jake? Was it green? I can't remember which one I had. I feel like it was black with like okay. silver and it said DDT on it. I want to say like in red maybe or something, but okay, I can't picture it. I, I, I'm sure if I Googled it, I could find which one. Um, and to your point, John, about Jake, like you wish he would have had a longer run as a heel. I think he was just cool as shit and they couldn't ignore it. You know, like he was he was very um, Jake's one of those guys, I think, that are very charismatic and like he's not like conventionally charismatic. If that makes sense. Like he's not like, you know, there's different levels of attractiveness, I think, in people like. And like the blonde haired, blue eyed, good looking person usually gets the attention or whatever. But like Jake just had it, you know, and um, I equate it to like Arn Anderson, you know, like a guy that just has it at that unexplainable uh, it factor. And uh, Jake was one of them for sure. I think Jake had confidence, too. Like he was so mm-hmm. cool. And when he like moved around and it, just a look when he hits the DDT. In this match, first of all, the DDT, there's nothing better than his DDT. But then afterwards, he doesn't just go to the pin. He looks at the crowd and starts pointing at them like, look what I just did. You know, he's just so kind of not even cocky. He's just so cool. He's just mm-hmm. one of the coolest guys, you know, ever in wrestling. I got a quick question for both of you guys. If you had to give a 2023 version of Jake, not the same exact character, but mm. somebody that reminds you of Jake in 2023. Who would you go to? Well, can we exclude Randy Orton? Because Orton well, kind of yeah. Took I mean, a if that's your, that. if that's your if that's your choice, yeah. I mean, what I, I have one guy that comes to my head like in two seconds. Mox. Oh, really? Yep, Moxley. Mm. Absolutely, it hands mm-hmm. like for me. It's Mox. I get a little bit of Mox as well for sure. Yeah, not mm. Dean Ambrose, but Mox. Mox. You know, I mean, the way his mm-hmm. mannerisms, the way he waits, slows things down, gets in guys' faces. Heel or face. I mean, he reminds me of him just like that. The mannerisms slowing things down a little bit, getting nasty mm. when he has to get nasty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Which is why we all have the same too. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Once uh, had a snake put on him by Jake the Snake Robert. Oh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> let's get, let's get to the end real quick. second of it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, because he giggled. But I want to ask you guys because um, I'd quit the business before I'd let that thing sliver all over me. And this was like, <laughs> the extended version did you guys this was like a three minute mm-hmm. snake crawling session fink ran out right away and so real quick lead us through the finish just so we don't yeah sure no it was i believe it was scotty mcgee was going for that uh roll up again like sort of the cradle roll and and jake held onto the rope the ropes that was the second time uh mcgee tried to get him in that and uh jake turned around playing him with that ddt there was like a lot of, you know, honestly, McGee was working at a faster pace in that match. Jake mm-hmm. was keeping up for the most part, but um, I, I might have been hard on McGee saying uncoordinated. Maybe Jake just wasn't really, you know, 
as as quick for him. But anyways, yeah, that's what it was. It was a the second chance at a victory roll or whatever it was. Jake hit him with the DDT. Looks at the crowd, gets the pin. Then we have the snake afterwards, all over poor Scotty McGee. Just got to take it, right? You're getting paid. So enough. Jake the Snake wants to put the snake on. You're not taking it. Nah, I'm quitting the biz. No shit. Wow. You know, there's a bonus in there for you, right? They used to get an extra five hundred dollars or two hundred fifty dollars. Was it really that much? Yeah, like two hundred fifty dollars to get the snake put on them. Yeah, so two fifty back in um nineteen eighty six. If Jake the Snake is trying to put a snake on you, John Boy, like this is one of your top ten. All right, yeah, I guess if this that's is what... one of your top five favorite guys of all time. It's true, top five favorite. My fear of snakes. I guess that's the only way I can get over my fear, right? If the Snake Man himself, Jake, puts it on me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, you it got might, me. It, it may be cathartic for you, honestly. That's exactly. like who doesn't want to get chopped by like Ric Flair, you know? Like, <laughs> right. It's just something you got to do. I was once press slammed by Brian Cage. That's true. One of your favorites, John. Mm. I was once ignored by Eddie Guerrero. Whoa, 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 whoa. Come Man. on. What? You know what's funny? We were, I, was, uh, I was talking to Frank the other day. We were talking about a few things. And that, that memory, he uh, talked about meeting Cotto, I believe, in Florida, doing his training sessions, and how that was such a memory. And that's the memory of us meeting Eddie outside was like playing in my head. I didn't say nothing to him because I didn't want to disappoint him. <laughs> but that was yeah. like all these years later. I don't even know how many years ago that was. That still plays in my head like. Like yeah. it was yesterday. He was just having a bad night. Oh, yeah, we the know. The flip that. side, Scott Hall was the nicest guy ever that night. So who knows? Uh, was that the same night? Was it a separate night? Because it was cold. I think as that heck was a different there. night. Yeah, know. that was oh, a different yeah. night. Separate. Um, I know we did see Rodney Mack that night. <laughs> <laughs> Mac and Milton. I think Mike, yeah, Mac, Mac Militant, Mike said, Mike yelled. Popped, him. Right. him and yeah. Teddy. Him and Teddy were out there. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> um, all right, so well, can anyway, I just mention something really quick? I'm so sorry. At the end absolutely. of that Jake, that Jake match, um, there were scattered Hogan chants in the crowd when he had the snake on McGee. Oh. Um, if you, so they were brewing towards something with Hogan. Mm-hmm. It just never came to be, man. And that was That's one of my all-time bad. dream feuds, yeah. you know, in the WWF. So Jake gets the big win via the DDT, you know, puts Damien on top. Uh, I think... Um, they say, is that Damien? And I think Gorilla says they're all called Damien as far as he's concerned. Is that what mm-hmm. he says? Something like that. Yeah. So, Mike, what'd you give this one? Our resident ratings man over here. What would you give this little segment here? I just have to say about the announcing. Ernie Ladd sure. was like, oh, yeah. Having him with Gorilla is like so, like, so good. I don't know, mm-hmm. man. Like, that's really, I'm more and more. I'm watching a lot of th- tapes, and it's more and more Ernie Ladd that combination, and it's it's really good. I just had to throw that out there. Yeah, and this no, is a three man booth. Lord Alpha was also in there, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. I mean, this combo was really good. This this trio, um, this is where a three man booth is truly truly works. You know, just like us. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, good call on Ernie Ladd. But uh, uh, one, of us, what, for, one of I, us needs a British accent, though. I yeah, think. that's all, John. John's good at. <laughs> Next week. I'll do that next week. All right, give it to us straight, Mike. I love this match for what it was. I gave mm-hmm. it a B plus. Okay. Yeah. Very I nice. absolutely loved it. Loved it. Like I said, I really was impressed by McGee's athleticism, his fluidness. Um, I thought he was a great comparing to him to like the Iron Mike Sharps at the time. Like what I know was around at the time, I thought he did a great job. And it was nice watching a guy different than I never seen before. You know, as an enhancement guy too. So. Yeah, 
yeah, it's always cool when we go back and watch these and you do get, um, you know, uh, just new stuff, you know, like mm -hmm. it's it's cool because like, you know, a lot of times in life, people are looking for something to watch on TV, you know, like, oh, I already watched this, I already watched that. Like, there's so much wrestling, if you're a wrestling fan, that you can go back yep. and watch, like, um, whether it is Mid-Atlantic or Georgia Championship Wrestling or all these super tapes or, you know, the Coliseum home videos. So, like, if you're a wrestling fan, like, you should never be without something to watch because there's so much content. Um, so anyway, we go into the next match now. Speaking of uh, people I didn't know, Pat Patterson, you guys know I'm a huge fan of Pat Patterson, but he faced off against Tor Kamada. Mm -hmm. And I have never, ever heard of Tor Kamada. Have you guys heard of this guy? Not me. I think via this tape as a kid, because this 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 brought back a weird memory for me. Just it unlocked something. I don't know if it, if I've seen this Shea Stadium show before. I doubt it, but must have been this tape, you know. And I just remember this very quick, brief segment, we'll call it, with Pat Patterson and Tor Kamada. I hadn't thought of his name in probably thirty five years, but I think you know it popped a weird memory. But uh, oh. did you get any information on him, Zern? Do you do you know much he was about him? Not much, no. Uh, he was big, not really big. I think he was a big car guy over in Japan. I've seen this show probably over 20 times, which is funny, but I don't mm -hmm. remember this match at all. I remembered the Zabisco match. I remembered a Hogan match. Okay, so this is the showdown at Shea card? Correct, yeah. Okay. And I was I just, wondering that. I mean, and he's managed by Blassie, and I just don't even remember who he was, <laughs> but uh, it's crazy. Yeah, I definitely don't know... Uh, he, uh, I was looking into it. He had a, um, a few with Bob Backlund in 77, and he had a Texas death match. If you guys get a chance to YouTube that, it was solid. Mm. It was a bump. Wow. Solid. Yeah, he Backlund had a thing. Texas, Texas death match against Backlund. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was much better than what, you know, what this match was. Um, so it was pretty, pretty good. Yeah. And once again, um, I think even in the beginning of this tape, they gave you a warning, like, this stuff's presented in the best form that they could give you. Cause a lot of this stuff is very chopped up. You know, some segments are literally like a minute or so. So, um, this one was another one. It kind of, uh, it went fast. I'm a big Pat Patterson fan, uh, retrospectively. Um, so any chance I get to see him, I'm always excited. Um, one thing they said during the match is that the fabulous Mola challenged Pat Patterson to a match. Did you guys catch that? I actually did not. Know. And um, did that ever happened? No. So I was hoping that Zern, who's our, you know, history man over here, I was hoping that you would have some info on that. And I'm hoping that it's not like a rib because you guys know Pat Patterson's a gay guy. And like later on, they would kind of say stuff like unwarranted nonsense, like, jr would be like and he's single fellas you know just like putting that kind of disrespect out there which i always thought was bullshit because like pat patterson is a regardless you know of his sexual orientation the guy was a classy dude you know a veteran's veteran a wrestler's wrestler and mm -hmm. uh i always thought that was corny that they like kind of took jabs at him just because he didn't date women you know so right. I was hoping that maybe you had some info. So I don't know if that's true, but they did mention that uh, 
in that two minutes segment, I did not hear that. Yeah, that a short exactly. Segment. I know. It I did hear is. something else, though. Did you guys hear something else that should not be said? I don't even know if I should say it. Pharrell Monsoon. Well, right? you're, yeah. you're, for the record, we're yeah. quoting this stuff. Quoting, right? yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it's I thought not it was like totally inexcusable. But yeah, he, said, God. he called Kamada. He said he's a big jet with martial arts skills. Jeez. Yeah, there was yeah, a lot I mean, of inappropriate names early on in this match yeah. by Gorilla, name dropping all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I think, um, you know, besides that stuff, I, just since it was such a quick match, I'll just mention how Tor Kamada is getting a handful of salt, and yes. he's gonna he's gonna sort of like a, a t attempt to hit Pat Patterson with this. It just takes so long, and there's wind blowing outside, you know. Yeah. But salt did you catch? Oh, I thought you were gonna go. He said forty two pounds of salt. Did you catch yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It may have been. Oh, yeah. The wind blew a lot of yeah. it away. So yeah, it that, did. He lost that, some salt in there. That popped me. So that was... So, uh, so Patterson ducks, and uh, Torquemada throws the salt in the ref's eyes. If the match continues for a minute, he's still counting a pin. And Gorilla even calls him out on it. Remember, Gorilla says, I don't know why this referee's still counting. This one's over, you know? So there's a lot of confusion. Yeah. Pat Patterson ends up getting the win via disqualification. Torquemada, mm. 42 pounds of salt. He missed them. It was a hot mess. It's it's about a minute. So, uh, Mike, that wonderful segment, you know, what's our ratings man have for that one? Yeah, for being short, two minutes and six seconds, I had it at a C minus. Um, All right. Yeah. Fair. The, the setting was cool. That show is shaved. For Beautiful. sure. I love yeah. those outside shows, yep. you know. Absolutely. Looks so cool. Yeah, I mean, um, I thought – the same thing i was like oh man this is really cool you know but it was literally like a minute or so so it wasn't you know and tor kamada doesn't really look like all due respect rest in peace i'm sure he's gone now but he it wasn't something that i i would go out and search for you know what i mean even though i enjoy pat patterson shout out there. to frank this happened on his birthday it took God, place yeah. on his birthday yeah he wasn't here yet but it took <laughs> that's <laughs> great yep that's so great all right next up we have a World Wrestling Federation Championship match. Mm. This is Pedro Morales taking on George the Animal Steel, who um, this is a guy that, you know, I grew up as essentially like a bushwhacker type character, like a, a goofball. So it was interesting to see him as this like monster, not a monster, but like a, you know, a heel, um, kind of conniving Pretty. heel like yeah and uh you know smart you know which yeah. is interesting how he played it up with the foreign object so john take us through this match a little bit so this was uh like you said a wwf champion wwf yeah sorry Pretty worldwide w wrestling federation worldwide yes. wrestling federation championship match but uh 1970 vince on commentary young vince and um George and his illegal objects like he kept trying to you know like you said he was trying to outsmart Pedro and get the upper hand with the foreign objects but I was actually surprised how much I liked George's character like I, mm -hmm. I actually really enjoyed this George the Animal Steel like villain because this this tape is called Villains of the Squared Circle and so far we hadn't seen too many legitimate like nasty villainous acts at this point right. in, in the show but but uh, George was like intimidating. He was nasty. He was scary. There were multiple turnbuckle shots that busted him open. And you could kind of see him blading. I don't know oh, if you guys caught sure. that. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. You know, surprise, surprise. But uh, Pedro bites the open wound, much like John Moxley, our second Mox 
reference, but biting the wound, you know, um, that a lot of guys love to do now, not just Mox. The ref, the ref stopped it. You know, I'm just going ahead here, but the ref ended up stopping the match. And the crowd was insane, though. Like, insane. even though the, it's so like less is more, obviously, back then. Yep. Hopefully, again, we could do this because it was cool. Yeah. How about the way the referee was dressed? Like going out to Sunday dinner. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. The open nice slacks on. He looked like, like, like your uncle or grandpa at the coming to Sunday dinner, the way he was dressed. You didn't know he was yeah. a referee in that ring, but it's 1973 <laughs> at the time. And this is how they dress. So, yep. 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 Is this, yeah, man, this not... Mar- um, is, sorry, I'm sorry. But where, where was this match, Mike? Was this in Maryland? Incorrect. Madison Square Garden. Oh, it's on the same too. show as Monsoon versus Albano. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, same exact show, 1973. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, so yeah. um, I'm I've talked about Pedro Morales um on No Sold as well. Um, I've just never been a big Pedro guy. I don't really, I don't really get it with him. Um, a lot of guys I've gone back and watched, and I'm like, oh yeah, like I get it. You know, like Bruno for sure. Like I get it, and um, Pedro, I just don't get like with all due respect, I, I just don't see what they saw in him. That being said, I thought this match was really cool. Like you said, John, less is more. And yeah, how about that? Like love the character of George animal steel in this. Like it's crazy. Um, I mean, we, I won't speak for you guys, but usually these goofball characters were never behind, you know, Guys can do goofy stuff like we liked heel Austin doing his songs and obviously Kurt Angle doing his nonsense. Um, But like George Animal Steel, like I just thought he was like a menacing villain here, you know, and it was cool to see that from him. And maybe it's because we know him as like this goofball and it's nice to see that, wow, this guy did have something once upon a time. But yeah, the crowd was electric. I, I enjoyed the match. Um, I've. Like, once again, a great crowd is always going to make your experience better, too. So, Mike, I'll let you comment on it. What did you think overall of this one? Well, one thing I think it's crazy that, like, there's such a big gap in time frame from match from the Pat Patterson match to this match. Eight years, right? And they're putting them together. Um, this is like a good, what, 14 years before George Steele turns babyface. Wow. The Macho Man feud. WrestleMania 2. So think about that. At least 10 years. This is 1973, so WrestleMania two is 85. So hmm. that's crazy. Wow. So there's a lot of time. Like you said, maybe we need to go back and watch some George Steele heel because I'm not too familiar with him being a heel heel. 80s heel, but not 1973 heel. So yeah, this match, I absolutely loved it. I actually went out and searched for the actual full match on this one. Some of it is cut. They cut some mm-hmm. of it out and absolutely loved it. I mean, awesome. I gave this an A. Wow. Hey, I and in my George, notes, George, crowd was George. red hot. That's what, like yep. you said, you said it best. I mean, it was, I, I and much respect for both workers. And I don't like Pedro Morales at all. Mm-hmm. I think he was given what he was given just because of the stereotype at the time, just like Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas and the Soul Patrol. Unfortunately, I hate to say it, they weren't, I was not big fans of them, but they wanted to make them, you know, first African American tag team champions and. We got two guys here. We're going to make that. You know what I mean? Just like how they did with Ron Simmons or, Martin, you know. Um, so, but that being said, he was great in this match. And that's because of Steel, because of the great crowd. And I was a fan. Now I want to go back and watch this whole entire card. 
Like I'm, <laughs> this crowd brought it, right? Just for I don't know if yeah. this was the main event or not, but they brought it. Probably. Probably. I think it's. I think fella, it's um think so. it's the perfect formula because Pedro's for nothing if nothing else a great baby face at the time. So there you got your you know one ingredient. You got a great heel, a villain, and then you got a great crowd and a very great location, Madison Square Garden. I think it was all lined up, and um, with George the Animal Steel actually retreating and run away, the crowd just still was so rabid. Even though it's it's a you know as you would call it a no contest or something, mm-hmm. like the crowd was still rabbit and they just loved it and um i think the, the the thing is uh history doesn't lie you know like there is a reason these guys are legends quote unquote it's not because uh you know just because they slapped the label legend on them they had these great careers we just didn't see it and the more you see it the more you recognize um why you know they are considered legends and it's justified and that's what's cool about watching this stuff and youtube and going back and watching guys like this or killer kowalski even bruno the history don't lie these guys are legit legends for a reason and i think george Steele deserves a lot of credit for his heel work here and in that whole era he was nasty absolutely going back to what duke said last week about tito santana the conversation you could place tito in this role in 1973 mm-hmm. yeah and i think he does better than pedro you know, I'm trying to say, like, he definitely could be in this role as champion against yep. the George Steels. There's no question. So he was just, like you said, wrong time. Because now that I'm watching this match, I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, put Tito in this situation, and he could definitely do it. I mean, he fought. I remember watching him versus George Steele a couple times as in the early 80s as, you know, face first heel. And mm-hmm. it was nothing special, but it wasn't this MSG main event championship on the line, you know, with all this crowd being this hot, too, so. Yeah, um, we talked about that, you know, about Tito kind of being maybe in the wrong generation. That happens sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Like superstar Billy Graham, who we lost just last week, rest in peace, superstar, um, a guy that was ahead of his time, you know, like it's it's just weird how that happens. Like sometimes, you know, time just doesn't line up and that just happens in life sometimes, you know, but um, definitely for sure. uh respect to both of these guys it was a very enjoyable match you know um because when i see both of those names normally i'm like oh okay i guess you know i'll get through this one you know but very enjoyable match it ends with like you said um the animal just runs off he can't take anymore Mm -hmm. Uh, i think pedro ends up with a weapon and he kind of chases him out of there so mike you gave it overall just a solid a right solid a yeah all right solid a for this one all right, then we're going to move on to the next one, which is, Jumbo, you've gone back and watched a lot of this guy extensively, our next guy. Um, so it's Andre the Giant, who we've all watched extensively, taking on Ernie the Big Cat Lad, who John has just uh, kind of fallen in love with, you know, retroactively going back and, and watching um, a lot of Ernie Lad stuff. Um big dude man like when he's standing in there with yeah when he's standing in there with andre the giant who uh if you ask our buddy frank is about six two and a half Mm -hmm. um so john you know you're always looking to gush over ernie lad what'd you think of this one i thought um you know i think ernie lad i guess you could use the word underrated but that that Mm -hmm. might not be accurate because i think people do respect him but like a legit six nine a legit big man and here's a guy that went from the nfl 
to the WWF, WWWF. And you and I were uh, talking recently, Duke, about how you can't just pluck NFL guys, put them in wrestling and expect them to translate. It's lazy. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a little uncreative. It's um, but sometimes just sometimes these guys are made for it. And I think Ernie Ladd was made for wrestling. Um, He's got the charisma personified i think he can talk well like like mike said uh, as far as a commentator he's just a great voice um and a, and a great like villain like a great heel and um it's just crazy that he translated from nfl to this and, and had so much success big cat was huge and i think in today's game he would absolutely kill it like he'd be i think he could translate to another era you know i really mm-hmm. do which is really a true sign of greatness, you know, guys that can work in multiple eras and be over in multiple eras. Um, as far as the like great heel thing for me, like I find him so like charismatic that I, I cheer for him. So Fair. like, it's hard for me to like, but you know, Ric Flair was a great heel and I cheered for him too, but Ernie Ladd just kind of had this like charm, kind of like a, especially when he was later on as a commentator, I always looked at him as like a grandpa, you know, like a nice bud, you know, but yeah, man, super impressed by him. Zerm, what'd you think of this one? I actually recently just seen this full match. This match was three minutes on the tape. Yeah. Um, The full match was actually almost about nine minutes. And going back to my uh, Ernie Ladd comp set that I got like a few months back, I actually caught this match because it's from 76. So it was pretty, pretty early on the tape that I watched. So I got to watch the full match. I was a little bit disappointed because I think the expectations were so high, right, for mm-hmm. me going into it, Ladd versus Andre. When I first watched the match, what what, what you see on this is like just uh, not even less than half of the match because they're just trying to highlight Ladd being the villain, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I love the tape, the tape thumb. Like, mm-hmm. that is just so, so good. Like, Tapes right thumb. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, t- the t- tape right thumb. I love that. Did you guys catch the uh, the attendance at MSG? They said here it was 22,000. Yes. And I'm like, that does not even fit 22,000. It doesn't fit. Yeah. So, but they mm. at that, but they did have them on the floors. I mean, kids were just walking around. At, there's no barrier there. So maybe they did have the extra 2,000 because oh, okay. the yeah. capacity is like 20,789. 20, 20, MSG for, for wrestling though. 20,000, 789. Yeah. That's supposed to be the max because, capacity. But like back remember, in the 70s, yeah, yeah, back in the 70s when there's no barrier cage, yeah. they can, yeah, like they said, they got kids just walking. I don't know if you or, guys noticed I that. mean, wrestlers could be lying, which would be crazy. <laughs> no, 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 no. Eh. I believe it. Hey, Faye, bro. I think it's crazy that, uh, you know, Andre was Tate or, you know, they were showing off like backdrops and full on splashes. Andre missed at one point. Andre was working here. We've talked about Andre so much lately as a worker. Yeah. Uh, Another example, like, you know, the the man could move. He just he slowed down as people really got to see him. And that's, you know, what you remember. But and once again, like we're talking less is more crowd is electric. Once again, always are when Andre's around. He was an attraction. Um. But Mike, you mentioned like the tape thumb, like mm-hmm. something as simple as a tape thumb mm-hmm. being a threat to Andre, like less is more, man. Yeah. Like, I hate to sound like, you know, the old school wrestling fan, but it works. Watch this match. And then Andre grabs his hand and he delivers the thumb to his own throat and the crowd loses their mind. Like, so 
This stuff as did is, I. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome because you yeah. get lost in it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, and I think that there's something to be said for that. I really do. I think that it can still work if they actually try, you know? Right. So, uh, Mike, I know you said it was only three minutes, but um, what'd you give it overall? You said you were kind of disappointed because your expectations are high, and I get that. You had it on, like, the WrestleMania scale. So what'd you give this one? I gave this total match, even the, the eight-minute match that it was, uh, and the finish and everything, uh, C+. Plus. Um, I okay. loved, the, like I said, the thumb work and all that stuff. It was great. I loved it. But uh, <laughs> if it should have been, as a main event, should have been a lot longer. I mean, we complain about, like, once again, Brock Lesnar matches being short. This was very short, I mean, for being a main event main event uh, attraction here. But, yeah, C+. plus. It could have been if it would have went longer. Not even so much in the segment-wise because they're just highlighting Ernie Ladd. But the actual match itself, you know, I was very disappointed in just for not doing it. Him walking off, which is they're probably selling the next town. He probably came back next month and he probably fought again. So, yeah, and we're kind of developing a theme now, right? Like Georgie yeah. Animal Steel just walked off. Ernie right. Ladd had enough. He had enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He doesn't Ernie care about that extra. We'll take that loser's purse. He doesn't. John, care. you got All anything right. else before we move on to this one? No, Ladd retreating was, uh, you know, typical heel work. Andre though celebrated like he just won a title. He didn't care how he won the match. He he was very happy to get that count out victory. That's he an MSG excited. purse right there. That's why. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, the winner gets that winner's purse, pal. Yep. And he was probably going to go to the back and drink a, you know, a few bottles of wine too. Oh, no disrespect. Yeah. I love Andre. All right, moving on. We have the villainous here, Captain Lou Albano, mm -hmm. taking on Gorilla Monsoon, who is just, we can't say enough good things about Gorilla. We love Gorilla as um, a commentator. Just once again, like that grandpa, you know, that comfort, you know, he's like a, he's like a security blanket almost when you go back and you think mm -hmm. of your childhood and he's just like, the background of it um so it's interesting because i always thought that gorilla monsoon was always a bad guy wrestler i didn't realize he actually turned good before becoming a commentator so mike did you know that going in did you know that he had like a good guy run yeah this is and he goes heel again after this oh and wow then he, and then he goes baby face again so this okay. is he was a heel baby Big face show. heel baby face yeah, yeah. <laughs> all within the 70s decade right here and what we're looking at uh this is 1973 as well. So okay. this is uh, before he goes at it with not too long before Muhammad Ali. Right. Yeah, mm. I think that was 74, I believe. I'm not sure. He okay. turned heel for that specific uh, attraction match, right? With right. And then I think Muhammad he turned babyface again in the early 80s, like 1980 or something like that. Yeah. All right. Well, that makes sense. And where did this one take place? This is still on that MSG card. MSG. Okay. Yeah. Did you Same guys place as Pedro and, and, and uh, George Steele? Same exact card. Correct. Did you guys catch the nicknames for both of these guys? The in the intro. Uh, uh, what was Gorillas again? Could you remind us? So it's rough and tough Captain Lou Albano <laughs> versus the popular Gorilla Monsoon. Oh yes, popular <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon. Pretty. I was laughing. I was. <laughs> I think Vince was cool. on the mic. Um, Vince yeah, was on the Vince mic. On Vince Young Vince calling uh it's wild hearing Vince call a Gorilla Monsoon match. Yeah. It's like in 19 yeah, how about that? that crazy? It's just so bizarre, you know, but it's so it's, it was a little treat to see these two men, Captain Lou and Gorilla locking up as wrestlers when we mm -hmm. know them or we've come to know them as manager and commentator, you know, it's um 
I think it was a treat. Once again, history don't lie. Gorilla was a big deal as a wrestler. We only know him as a commentator. It's we just, you know, it's cool to see this stuff, honestly. Yeah, and Albano looked pretty trim there, too, compared to what we're used to. Yeah, yeah, he did. He looked trim, right? So just like how Mr. Fuji was nice and trim back in the 70s, too, early 70s, before he became a man. Even George Steele looked good. Like, he was long, kind of leaner, yeah. you know? Yeah, we're talking about a decade later. We're talking about these guys from the 30s to the 40s, you know what I mean, in age, you know what I mean? So it all happened. Gorilla was so, dude, the crowd loved Gorilla, though, by yep. the way, here. Sure did. Went crazy for him. So this is another short little segment. It ends with uh Gorilla Monsoon chopping the soul out of uh Captain Lou here. I feel like Captain Lou botched it a couple times, right? Do you guys agree with that? He was supposed yeah. to go over the top rope and it took him about mm-hmm. three or four tries before he could actually hit him with the big uh overhand chop and he sent him out. And guys, guess what happens? He mm-hmm. runs away, he runs oh, to the yeah. back. Mm. Heels retreat, third, bro. Heels yeah, retreat. This is the third match on this VH, VHS tape yeah. that uh he he bounces. So uh yeah, but like you said, John, like it's cool to see um these guys that we know as managers and commentators and see like their characters be different, you know, because I knew when I was growing up, Captain Lou was a good guy. He was a good guy manager, you know, when I started watching. So it's interesting to see him, you know, now as a heel here. So, Mike, what did you rate this one, this little segment here? Um, even though it was short, it was built as a special attraction match. So hearing that, I was kind of like, all right, cool. This is going to be a nice little long segment. They actually filmed the whole match on here. So I was kind of disappointed it was that short of a match being a mm-hmm. special attractions match. I mean, imagine yeah. being there at MSG, having <laughs> that advertisement, and you got a three-minute count out. Um, I was a little bit disappointed. I'm not going to lie to you about this. Mm -hmm. My expectations weren't too high because gorilla as over as he is, is not a great worker. He has Mm -hmm. charisma, but he's not a great worker for a big man. Even I don't think he's a, do you guys think he's a great worker? Not at this point. No, probably uh, a little earlier. He could move a bit better. I would imagine, but here he was just relegated to the overhand chops and sort of let Lou Albano flop around for him. For sure. So unfortunately, I hate to say it. I gave it a D plus. It hurts me to say that, but um, being the attraction it was, special attraction, billing, and being short and another walkout. Um, Yeah, D+. Mm -hmm. Mike, sometimes, you know, even though you love something, you got to be a broadcast journalist and you got to just keep it real, you know? Like, it it might tear (laughs) you apart, but that's why you're here, you know? You're a pro, and we Mm -hmm. appreciate that. Yeah, if you guys listen to uh, No Soul, you know, last week our – we we counted down the the goats, the greatest of all time. Episode fifty. You'll hear some honest broadcast journalism on that one. It hurt, it hurt our soul. And you'll you'll also hear some dumb some dumb things on mm. that one. So be sure. To... Yeah, no spoilers. There's a little you'll, bit of uh, you'll uh, home home cooking. They call it sometimes. Listen, sometimes you know the obvious answer is the right one, guys. So tune into that. Let's move on to uh, let's move on to the next match. It's going to be a big tag team match here. Chief J Strongbow mm-hmm. and Andre the Giant taking on Stan the Man Stasiak and Blackjack Lanza. Once again, this is literally like a minute long. Like they didn't give you much to work with. It was pretty cool to see. Um, it's cool, like you said, you go back and you watch these matches and we know guys as commentators and managers and 
you know, Jack Lanza ended up becoming like an agent for the WWE for a long time. You would see him kind of breaking up fights and stuff like that. So it's always cool to see that type of stuff too. you know, see these guys. Also, Jay Strongbow, didn't didn't he end up becoming like an agent for them at one point? Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. So um, it was a short little segment. Uh, not much here. John, you got anything on this one? Just other than uh, Stan Stasiak was a, another deceptively big guy. I mm-hmm. think um, seeing him in there with Andre, like you see how tall he was. And, uh, you know, him and Strongbow did not have very good chemistry. There were a cu- couple little botches in this very short and kind of pointless clip because <laughs> I would have rather seen this for, you know, three or four minutes than the, uh, I think we just got like over a minute and a half, two minutes. So it was, it was um, quick and kind of um insignificant on this car uh, yeah. tape unfortunately mike we, we won't spend too much time on this one give it to us straight you're a broadcast journalist we respect you just let we, you guys know you this was the best two out of three falls match and we got to see two, 20 seconds of it too yeah andre spoiler andre and, and chief J uh won two nothing in this one i, I went back <laughs> and actually youtube it to see i watched the whole entire deal and it was just as bad as this clip. So it's I oh no way, why. really? Yeah, it the whole wasn't deal good. wasn't good either. Like you said, the chemistry between Andre and um Chief J was, was not good. Uh, Stasiak and Chief J was really uh the worst, kind of the worst of it. But yeah, yeah. So Let's I gave it a on. I gave it a D. A D. Okay. Yeah, big D. All right, D for Dre. Moving on, we get into a little montage of a guy that I'm definitely a fan of, and I think a guy that's underrated. That magnificent Don Morocco. Mm-hmm. So in this uh, little montage, he faces off against Pedro Morales, SD Jones. He does an interview with Vince McMahon on TNT. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can get more in depth to it. But before we do, if you're not familiar with Morocco, I think this is a guy that's really underrated when you go back and watch his stuff. Um, charisma. uh good hand um different you know he had a different thing about him um so let's get into this little segment mike lead us off what do you what do you like and dislike about all this um i really like the morocco morales i see we've seen uh, morales as a heavyweight champion now he's going for the um the ic strap in this one uh what a decade later 1983 this is this match Wow. Um, I went out and saw this match too. I watched that deal. And that was, I ever actually really enjoyed that match. After that, you got, uh, Morocco had like a little feud with SD Jones, Philadelphia's own SD Jones. That's right. Um, Reverie Yacht, it was like, they fought, man. If you go on YouTube, there's must be like eight different matches, uh, of them wow. fighting, man. So I don't know how long it lasted, but there's plenty of matches with them. Um, even though SD Jones is in the hands of town, it was pretty solid. That one also was from 1983. Can I mention real quick on their um, chemistry? They had a actually really good chain wrestling exchange in a bit of their match highlights here. And um, Philly's own, like you said, crowd was very much into special delivery. Mm-hmm. Who's, you know, got the label of enhancement talent, but my, he could work. Like he was working with uh, Morocco here. I think it was, you know, tight headlocks and stuff like that. I think he was really good. Yeah. And also I, I think it was interesting. Um, did you catch the lightning bolt on Morocco? Uh, yep, yep. That didn't. Did, how long do you think that lasted? That little. He uh, had that. A, he had that a while, believe it or not. Okay. I don't know why. I don't know if it was like yeah. a, like was it like a rib? Maybe you know, like 
because he wasn't very <laughs> fast, right? <laughs> like, go ahead, Mike. Go on. Now, and then from there, we go to uh, TNT segment, Mr. Fuji. And um, uh, that was, I don't know if you got, I love that going back and forth. What Morocco says, I, I you know, he loves fat broads and, and That's oh, even, yeah. I, had, I literally have it in my notes. It yeah, you guys, guys, you guys, you guys going, I don't want to yeah, go into that. Oh, he's, so he's talking about Ricky, the dragon steamboat. And he's saying how steamboat said he loves beautiful blonde haired women with blue eyes and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And Morocco says, I like fat broads. I like those fat broads. And yeah, it popped me, man. Morocco was, he was different, man. Like, and something that, you know, was pretty cool. He talked about like the dark side and stuff like that. And like, that was something no one really did, you know? So once again, like points for originality for the magnificent one, Don Morocco. Um, shout out to my boy, Teddy. Um, Teddy loves Morocco. And he's been telling me and sending me clips about Morocco, like for years. So, um, Definitely a guy that I've gotten into as I've gotten older and gone back and watched um, retroactively, but um, super enjoyable stuff. I really, really enjoyed all this stuff with him. Like you said, when when he is on Titans, like with um, Vince, like you get to see, you know, more of their character and stuff. I think that's probably why, John, you're such a fan of that, because you've gone back and watched that like from the beginning. Yeah. So did you see this segment previously? I did see this segment and I, I Vince loves Morocco. I think he would give him this um, bit of time on this TNT show often, this platform. And he would just let Morocco go. And Fuji, yeah. once, once Fuji and Morocco got together, I think Vince thought he had gold. I don't know where you guys stand on it. Like it's fun. It's silly, but um, people really like mark out for the Morocco and Fuji vice and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, but I, I think Vince really liked Morocco. Like I, maybe he had plans for him to go a bit further, but he 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 had been in the game a while by the time I think rock and wrestling kind of mm -hmm. took off. And, you know, he had a good career, you know, intercontinental yeah. champion. He uh, he fought Hogan for the title for sure. Um, at least once um, mm -hmm. that you can actually see on another Coliseum home video. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I just really enjoy every time I see him like, it's interesting how you grow up and you go back and watch these guys and you're like, man, what was I thinking? Like this guy's super like entertaining, you know? So Mike, yeah. wrap it up. Give us a nice bow on this. What'd you rate this one? Yeah. So the difference in time for the Morocco Morales to this is pre Fuji, then matches and then you got Fuji versus steamboat, which is actually the full match. If on YouTube search it out, it's pretty good. It's pretty solid. It's a uh, about seven minutes long compared to the one minute that they showed you on, on the, on the tape. And there's a two-year difference in between them, both of them. So I absolutely love this segment, the whole entire deal. I gave it a B plus. Nice. Yeah, I'm a big uh, Morocco guy retrospectively because when we growing up, I remember him in Superstar Billy Graham, WrestleMania yep. Four. That always confused me why they weren't even together that long. But WrestleMania Four, mm -hmm. him with the tie dye. That's that's who yep. I was introduced. So I didn't know much about him prior to that at the time. But uh, like Fuji Vice, that was that was huge. Um, but I think my favorite version of him was probably from 1980 to the 83-ish, 84-ish when he was yeah, in that in that run. Yeah, and if you ever got... that's that's what I knew him as too. Like mm -hmm. you know, a good guy. You know, he he was on Hulk Hogan's uh, Survivor Series team the one year. Mm -hmm. You Absolutely. know, so like I didn't know about like I knew he was a bad guy previously, but um, 
just i mean i definitely recommend if you're a wrestling fan go back and watch some more morocco stuff i was actually going to separate that next segment the steamboat fuji match oh, that was an act no that's cool so we'll we'll just lump that all together but i did want to mention um the stiff shots on steamer man mm-hmm. like he comes out he whacks them so steamboat and fuji go at it steamboat uh is outside the ring morocco comes out from the back and hits him with a chair like a wooden chair or something and then it breaks into pieces and then he bashes him in the chest but then i don't know if it's fuji or morocco but they like clank him on the back of the head john did you catch that yeah i think fuji was taking liberties with him or something yeah like right like he was teaching the youngster uh some paying him some dues or something even though steamboat wasn't i guess he he had been around here right what year was this mike do you know so 1985 yeah he was Ah. like newer to the federation but you know he was a yeah he was a guy you know that traveled the you know the end not the indies but the territories and um Mm -hmm. yeah man i'm i'm glad you felt that way because i was like man are they like yeah what's i thought i agree with you yeah. Well, besides that, I think Steamboat, not like he ever looks bad, but this is prime Steamboat, man. He looks oh, yeah. like a tr- trillion dollars. Yep. Fans after the match, if I don't, if you don't mind him winning with the quick roll up, it was a quick, we, we joined it in progress, so it wasn't a very long match. But afterwards, yeah. Steamboat goes out into the next to the fans in the crowd and they're just all over him. Yep. I would say if we're ever making a list of best baby faces or most believable baby faces, a Steamboat, man, you could never make him a heel, right? Mm hmm. Mm-mm. Just a baby face thrown through. So likable, lovable. Yeah. We actually talked with our buddy Jay. I'm pretty sure you were there, John. Did we have this conversation about Ricky Steamboat? Yes. Yeah. Was it you, Jay, and I? Like how, you know, um, we don't want to spend too much time on this. You know, this is obviously about the villains, and we're talking about like a blazing baby face. But <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, he he mentioned how like when people talk about like their all-time favorite wrestlers or greatest of all time. Like steamboats never even in the yeah. conversation. And I think that like you mentioned, best baby face. I mean, you can't go wrong. It's a guy that literally you couldn't imagine him turning bad, you know, cause he's just so naturally like he's a family man and he's like, his style of wrestling is so right, big, exactly. you know, like because Hogan wrestled like, like a heel a little bit, even as a baby face. So when he turned and shocked the world as yeah. Hollywood, he kind of still did some of the same antics. Yep. Scratching yeah, the I mean, back, he would, you know, he would do the big in the eyes. Yep. All that stuff. But Steamer never yeah. took, you know, he never took a shortcut in his life. So if there's someone yeah. you want to look up to kids, it's that Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Mike, did you rate this one overall? The whole entire segment, because this went right after that, uh, yeah, the Fuji segment. Um, I just have to say, I I enjoyed the crowd setting. Like it was like an, it felt like it was at a gymnasium. Yeah. But I liked it though. It wasn't MSG, but it was like all opened up when they were going to the back. Like did I you, really liked. Did you it. catch the little girl running out yeah. of the crowd? That's what I was saying yeah. earlier at MSG. I was like, you got she, people just, you got little she girls was running up, around. and then like they must have told her no, and she ran yeah. right back. That was heartbreaking. I know. It, she should have been afraid to be a kid in 1985, yep. man. You can just get that close. Yeah, you know I mean, it's yeah, absolutely. I love man, that. So and cool. um, and getting back to Morocco real quick, who this whole segment was in. If you, anybody gets a chance to watch his his podcast, he's really his podcast is very good too because he's a down to earth guy who just tells it how it is, and he's really interesting to listen to. You know what I mean? So I really, 
I grew, like I said, his he's always been rising up as the years go along with mm-hmm. him, going back to his old stuff. So yeah, yeah, B plus for the segment overall. Yeah, they did attack Steamboat after that match, Morocco and Fuji. So it tied into the whole Morocco thing, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. yep. The villainous Don Morocco, getting back to these heels, these villains of this tape. I think at the beginning, uh, the host said something like over an hour of nonstop evil. So we're kind of in the <laughs> midst of this uh, evil streak. Although at the end, we'll talk about if any of these heels or how many of these heels were truly... Uh, you know, like dastardly, because some of them were going a little light. I don't think this was like the best example of, of villains for this era, you know? Yeah, I mean, um, not to spoil anything, but like, you know, Dr. D. David Schultz, I thought could have been a good, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, because I feel like he was just a vile person. Like, I don't know his like real life persona, but he always gave me vibes or he was just like an evil dude, you mm-hmm. know, so. He's like that at his age right now. He's, I think he's in his high 70s right now, 78, mm-hmm. 79. And I've heard many shoot interviews of him just talking, and he's like that now. Like, no nonsense yeah, type of guy. Like, And I liked him. I mean, I actually don't mind. I like going back and watching him because yeah. I wish he never got taken off TV because I think he, he would have been great in the 80s. That's I would like true. to see him versus yeah. Hogan more. No, I agree. I mean. All right. So we wrap up the old Morocco segment. And then um, the Steamboat Fuji, we comboed that together. And then we move on to John Boy. I know you were very excited about this one. One of your all-time top 10 favorites of all time. We go into a segment featuring that Rowdy Scott, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. And it's a just a quick montage of stuff. He interacts with Snuka. He's on TNT interacting with Lord Alfred Hayes, um, Captain Lou Albano. Um, he's all kinds of stuff. Piper teaming with Dr. D. David Schultz against Snook and Andre. Um, we'll get into it all in depth, but John, take us through this because this is your boy. I know you were looking forward to this one. This is my boy. This is some of the usual uh, suspects we'll say about Piper when you talk about his highlights of his career. We go into the Snook a Coconut incident. I want to spend a second on the TNT segment, though, when he slaps Lord Alfred Hayes. Oh, man. Yeah. Because, Mike, you might have um, insight on this, but this was supposedly in wrestling a shoot. Like, Piper Mm. legit owed Lord Alfred a receipt. Uh, We talked about this on No Sold a couple times, but there was a story that Lord Alfred used to haze Piper in the locker rooms when Piper started out. He would sort of bully Piper. He would even take advantage of him, like, with sort of like some demeaning stuff. He would kind of rip off Piper's towel in the locker room, just kind of stuff that was inappropriate. Piper mm-hmm. remembered this. And on this Tuesday Night Titans, he he gave him a nice open hand smack and rocked his bell, rocked Lord Alfred's bell. It's weird because we would never think Lord Alfred would be that kind of guy. He's such a mm-hmm. nice, charming, you know, Englishman. But uh, Mike, do you know anything about that stuff? No, you said it. You said it best. Yeah, he was. This was getting back. This is payback. So I don't even know how many years later this was compared to when it actually happened. But he used to do things with his kilt as well. I don't even want to get into what he used to do with his kilt. Right. Um. Yeah. It was just like I said. You said it. You had it. You had the right story. With it wasn't him. appropriate stuff, right? Like it was over the yeah. line. And he, if you talked to, like uh, we talked about Tony Schiavone last episode with him and Lord Alfred, like torn. Lord Alfred got crazy. He might seem like a classy, class act on TV, but. <laughs> <laughs> he got a little crazy behind the scenes as many of them did back then so 
Um, I can only imagine, and good for Piper. Good for Piper for getting his receipt back. Good for Piper. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> but let's talk about also. I want, if you don't mind, the uh, the segment because these are famous Piper's Pit segments. The one with Snook and the coconut. Obviously, mm-hmm. everyone knows that one. The bullying of um, is it is it Mary? Not Mario Mancini. Is it Mario Mancini? No, Frankie uh, Williams. Frankie Williams. My bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, bu- bullying him, but like. Just all this stuff of, of, you know, go ahead. Do you have something there? Well, no, just um about the Frankie Williams thing that that gives us one of Piper's most famous quotes. I think, you know, he uh, he takes him out and he says, just when you think you have the answers, I change the questions like that's one of his like you've said, like the coconut, one of his most famous things. That one is something I always associate with Piper when I think about him. Yeah, absolutely. Just when you think we, you know, you have the answers, I change the questions. The iconic line by Piper, and then you see Lou Albano on Tuesday Night Titans, the freshly baby faced version of Lou Albano. He's getting sucked or punched by Piper. He was always wild on these TNTs. Vince would usually ban him from the show. He would weasel his way <laughs> back in. He was gold on these shows. Um, there's a there's a segment on TNT where I, I believe it's him and Ace Cowboy Bob Orton are they're getting his uh his arm X rayed and the doctor's trying to say it's healed and they beat up the doctor you know like <laughs> just great golden stuff by Piper this was the golden era golden years watch this stuff and you're just like man he he is a goat he really is a goat absolutely is so let's talk about the Mr T stuff really quick because how do you guys feel about um the reality of it all. Because mm. I feel like there was some real man, they might just be the best workers ever because Mr. T speaks so glowingly of Piper now. Like, but I remember a time when they it seemed like Piper at least did not accept him into the the community of wrestling and their uh interaction on this specific segment. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Do you think that they were working or just really great work? No, I think it's that was real heat back then as far as Mr. T speaking highly of him now in the present time or even when Piper is alive. I think it's because Mr. T is a highly like he's a Christian man, so he doesn't want to talk bad about anybody. I mean, that's he's a man of faith, so that's especially over the last 20 years. So he doesn't want to like there's no point of looking back and bringing things down, bringing, you know, they talk to Piper a little bit different story. Right. So um now i definitely think that came off on tv as definitely real heat at the time and um i i don't blame piper at the time for being you know angry with him and you know this guy's coming protecting his uh probably get he might know his paycheck and i'm getting paid this you never know who's going home behind the scenes you know he's getting a main event status and my and my i know guys on the roster that you know i used to wrestle in the nwa with they're not getting the status Morocco's not getting the status but mr t is how, right. how, you know, yeah, so I think that was real heat. If that wasn't, hey, and it worked for me. So, I mean, I, like I said, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Dude, what I, about um, the match, uh, the couple of matches that we ran through with Piper here, um, you know, with Snooka? He was really whipping Snooka with that belt, man. This this was some villainous stuff for this tape. Yeah, and real quick about the Mr. T thing. I do think he worked you, Mike. I really do. Like, I think yeah. that Piper would, in every interview remember just he treated it very real man like at all times like even after like that curtain was pulled back like he was always protecting the business i remember he was on was it like the bill maher show or something and oh yeah and they said like it was fake and he dropped his pants and like he was like is this fake like he showed his scar for like his hip surgery and uh i don't know man i think he probably 
there was probably something there, but I do think that later on he probably was just working us because he's one of the best to ever do it. Honestly, like protect the business. Yeah, for sure. Like even after it didn't need that protection, like even his late interviews, like he would always treat it real. Like he really always treated it like a shoot. And if you wanted to shoot with Piper, you might get your ass kicked anyway. Like I don't mm. like if you want to box with this dude, like he was a boxer, like he was a golden glove champion. He was an amateur wrestler. Like it's funny because we know Piper for like his antics and his, you know, his interviews and stuff like that. But he was a bad ass when he needed to be. So yeah. I think that is something that people don't realize about Rowdy Rowdy. Um, and then the matches we had. Again, quick ones, uh, Mr. T, I'm sorry, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. And Jimmy, what, Superfly, yeah. Snook, it was, uh, it was a one on one. Well, uh, it, it started off with a little it bit. Was, of a oh, I'm sorry. It match. was Rowdy Rowdy. No, it was Rowdy Rowdy Piper and Dr. D, David Schultz against mm -hmm. Andre and Snooker. I think oh, that sorry. was yeah. the first part. Is that right? Is that when he whipped him, Mike? Yes. That's okay. well, no, he did. He he ended up fighting Snooker one on one, too. Yeah, this is the they first match they show yeah. in the montage. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And in that match, did you guys catch the Snooka singles match? The yes. referee was Lou Fez. Right. Former NWA Correct. World Heavyweight Champion. I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. You got and that then payday. This was in St. Louis, so he collected that payday. Okay. That <laughs> yeah, because you wonder, he had no... Uh, I, I went back and watched... I didn't watch the whole match, but I went back and YouTube the match, which is out there. And I'm like, why was he in this match? There's got to be some background. There's nothing. He was nothing. just there. Yeah. And then just I found out where it was, and it was in St. Louis. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. They, Vince was smart. He yep. brought the, he, he hired him, got the crowd there. Yeah. Luthez yeah. always looked older than he was, I felt like. Like, mm -hmm. I remember he actually wrestled when he was, like, 73 years old. Um, back Slam in, Bray. I think, like, the 90s or something. At WCW Slam Bray. In Philadelphia. Was that when I don't think he was 73 then, was he? He could have been. <laughs> I don't know. No, I think that no. was like later on. I remember like it was a big deal because he was so old. He was like okay. the oldest wrestler to I don't know to wrestle at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, once again, these matches are kind of like chopped up. Um Piper and Dr. D. David Schultz against Snook and Andre sounds amazing, you know, but we got we saw 30 seconds of it. Like, 30 seconds of it literally so mm -hmm. and then at the end there we had jimmy superfly snook and the tonga kid taking on rowdy rowdy piper and his that's my bodyguard that's my bodyguard the ace my cowboy bodyguard, bob ace. wharton yep so well, uh hey duke you're a boots guy you're an attire guy did you happen yes. to catch piper's boots during one of the snooker matches they were kind of plaid yep plaid um, yep interesting yeah you know they wear he, those he wore that stuff in mid-atlantic he would exactly. wear those like the plaid mm -hmm. tights the plaid boots and stuff like that i dig them but i just always you know his iconic thing is the blue with the maroon boots maroon thing. yeah yep 100 percent. what he eventually settled on you know that's another cool thing about watching these old tapes because we're such ring attire guys seeing these guys and like their ring attire and what it would eventually evolve into mm -hmm. it's cool to see like the different colors like big john stud at some point has on um white he always wore the white pants red stars and red boots and he mm -hmm. has on the white pants with black stars and black boots yes and very I, different. I just i remember i wanted to mention that to you john because alternate like, attire gotta, right got, yeah we got to change them in the video game yeah gotta change, so, change them up uh, can I say something real quick? Absolutely. Close that out. 
Um, yep. I just think when you, you know, you obviously have a VHS villains of the square circle. I was expecting to see Piper, but the combinations, like you said, Andre and, um, and then Snook as a team, like, I was yeah. like, Oh, that's different, you know? And Super then cool. were you guys, uh, fans of Andre short trunks with the fro or were you like singlet Andre? Good, sir. I like the short, I, the trunks for sure. Yeah. You go. Trunks. Yeah. With, with the fro. Yeah. yeah. Well, Maybe we'll, too. we'll get into that later. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, we will. Right. But, uh, Whether we want to or not, exactly. Yeah. What'd you rate what about, this segment, Mike, for what the pipe on this one? Well, compared to the Morocco match and uh, Morocco segment, which was you got two montages back to back. I thought the Morocco one was very well done, nice combination, of everything. This one, not so much. I think it fell flat. I thought they the whole thing wasn't put together white production wise, mm -hmm. and so I gave it a C minus. Chopped up too much for you at random spots. Just, it just right? didn't fit. Yeah, the production and nothing as Piper. Piper's. I mean, we all love sure. Piper. It's just uh, the way they produced it. I mean, this is a this is a production tape, and they did not produce it the right way in my eyes. Compared yeah. to Morocco, and you got them back to back, so it's like they're head to head there. Would I give That's Morocco fair. one a um B a B plus, and this is a C minus? So you're talking about a few grades apart there for sure. Fair. And you've seen this stuff, and you've seen it been presented better correct so i'm sure that that like kind of took away from it sure all right so we'll move on after the rodney to piper and then we're going to move on to a segment on my number two favorite wrestler of all time mm. randy macho man savage takes on tito santana we're going to get a treat we're going to get an intercontinental championship match not in its entirety but i was still pretty excited I've seen this match before, but it's always good to see my boy Mach. John Boy, what'd you what you have on this one? Um, well, getting the uh the title switch, spoiler spoiler alert, but seeing Savage, you know, win the Intercontinental title here. Being young, I saw Macho Man as an established main event guy, um, world champion, main eventer. But seeing him go through the ranks again and just remembering the Intercontinental title phase and just um Hearing Mean Gene calling a savage, calling Savage a contemporary was crazy to hear because it's like, this is Macho Man, um, you know, just starting out kind of like imagine the well you you know Duke you got a little bit got to live it a little bit more than me but like seeing him rise through the ranks and just seeing Macho Man um, before the legend of Macho Man became what it is today, uh, this was a treat like you said seeing Macho Man win that beautiful Intercontinental title the best looking belt maybe ever in wrestling um red white and blue robes liz is out there in that bedazzled blue you know uh dress i loved it short sweet match with the yellow gear on it was just great i love it i just don't know i mean savage cheating was the point here i guess that makes him a villain he did cheat to get the win then mm -hmm. if like i said earlier like it wasn't das like as nasty of a heel antics but what'd you what do you guys think what do you guys are um, yeah, I absolutely love this. I actually want, I had to go back and watch the full match because I was such a, I was like, I got to go back and do it. And there's a match that happened right before this. He had a title shot, his first title shot, and he lost by count out. And then mm. he demanded another shot. This is two months before WrestleMania two and two, he fights George the Animal Steel, which we spoke about earlier. Um, this was, this happens when a certain somebody turns nine years old on the screen this is happening mm. on your birthday duke oh did it really oh yeah. wow 
Oh, Duke cool. turned Duke turned nine, and awesome. Macho Man won the belt. It was yeah, oh, look at that. It was Destiny it Brothers. Yeah, I absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I loved. I know this was on a short segment. I loved the match. Yeah. I loved the first match, even the count. I loved this whole entire. We talked yeah. about Tita before. This is his wheelhouse, and I absolutely love it. I gave it a. I gave it a B plus. Nice. Yeah, Can I say um, something. Um, uh, real quick, Duke, and I'll let you speak on it. But um, this was Boston Garden. So it's so prestigious. I could see the um, mm. the banners hanging when Macho cheated, and they show the replay. And uh, I miss flash bulb camera. I miss miss the mm-hmm. camera flashes. I miss that mm-hmm. in pro wrestling now. And also, I guess you could smoke back then anywhere. And like the smoke filled. I don't miss that. But like no. the smoke filled arena and like the banner. It was just had a very vintage look to it. It was yeah, just um, classic stuff. Yeah, like you could almost smell it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get a headache just looking at it. Right. Um, you mentioned the bedazzled dress. I I'm sure it wasn't planned, but she has on that dress with like the stars on it. And then when Liz comes in to Macho Man at WrestleMania seven, she's wearing a sweater that looks very much like that dress with like yep. the stars on it. And I just thought that was like super cool. Like I'm sure that wasn't planned, but mm-hmm. it's immediately what I thought of. Cause we can all see that like sweater in our mind's oh, yeah. eye, you know? Sure. Um, Frank talked about it even uh when we talked about that match, but I thought that was a cool little thing. And I think um, you know, we just love the macho man so much. And I think this is a perfect example of our love for him because we got like a couple minutes of it and we're all just glowing you know about him so i think it says a lot about just how great he was and once again shout out to tito santana man Mm. john you mentioned it i think it was last week or last episode when he's on the card he's probably going to have the best match you know Mm -hmm. and um this was another great little segment so i'm glad you guys enjoyed it as much as i did absolutely all right then for the next segment we're going to move into a villainous former World Wrestling Federation champion as the Iron Sheik takes on Corporal Kirchner. So Corporal Kirchner might not be, you know, a household name. He might not be known to a lot of fans that, you know, are listening to this one. Um, He was kind of like a fill-in for Sergeant Slaughter uh, when Slaughter left um, the WWF. So, you know, they were trying to capitalize on that patriotic um soldier type character and the thing about corporal kirchner is that he actually was a he was a paratrooper in the 82nd airborne so what they say during this match is actually a real thing which is you know crazy like vince found that out and he was like all right pal we're gonna make you corporal kirchner and um you know i i kind of gloss over corporal kirchner a lot like i don't really think much of them but in this match against iron cheek i actually thought it was pretty cool mike what do you think of this one surprisingly i love this match yeah believe it or not i remember having his uh lgn figures that was one yep. of the ones that were highly produced mm-hmm. um never a fan like at the time and just to give everybody a background what's going on at this time this is uh right after wrestlemania 2 um so uh, uh nikolai nikolai and um Iron Sheik are actually feuding with uh, Kirshner and Danny Spivey at the time. Mm. Um, like if in this in this time frame, like in the house matches in the house loop. So 
Um, yeah, everything about this match for some reason it just it got me. I like I like the loaded boot. I mean that was that was great, and um, yeah, I loved everything about it. Um, I let you guys speak on it, but I gave it a B minus overall. I really oh, nice. really enjoyed this match a lot. And going into it, I never would think I would say that about a corporate personal match or an Iron right. match to be honest with you. But yeah. they they did a great job in this. It's the formula again. You got a baby face who's not like super over like a Pedro Morales, but he's a baby face. You got a great heel in Iron Sheik. Mm -hmm. You got a good crowd once again. Um, this is MSG, right, Mike? This is MSG, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we got MSG again. What I've, uh, you know, I have seen a lot of Corporal Kirshner lately going back and watching a lot of this stuff mid 80s. And um, it's crazy because he was not around long at all. And the reason was, if you believe the stories, and I think someone might have confirmed this, but. Corporal Kirshner's got a reputation for being one of the stiffest wrestlers of this time. I mean, and mm -hmm. he didn't take, he didn't take any advice. He didn't take any direction. And um, a lot of talent refused to work with him. Um, mm -hmm. Sheik being one of them um, really didn't. I don't know if there happened anything in this match specifically, but Sheik was in there and then he was suspended was Kirshner for a drug test. And he just decided he didn't want to come back when his suspension was up. He chose not to come back. Um, he just passed in 2021. And I think it's weird because I think he had something like maybe this gimmick. Yeah, I know it was obvious to give him the gimmick because he was a veteran, but, um, I kind of liked his look. I think he, he looked cool. Maybe if he would have listened, you know, he, he could have had a better career. Um, yeah, he was even announced in the gimmick battle Royal, which do you guys remember that? Uh, I do Bruce remember Mason. that. Yep. But he put, but he didn't, but he, he removed himself from it. He decided not to go. He yep. was even on like the graphic for it at yep. one point. Absolutely. Yeah. He was. And being stiff, like you said, that served him right. Cause uh, I'm served him well, I should say, cause he had a big career in Japan and I'll mm. let Duke, I'll, I'll let, let Duke talk about that. So he did have a good career. He made a lot of money, but uh, it was in, just in Japan versus the United States. Yep. I, um, as far as his look goes, like, I agree. I mean, he he was jacked. Like, he looked cool. I got, like, Rambo vibes from him, mm -hmm. which was, like, this was, what, 84? Um, This was 86. Uh, oh, okay. So, yeah. Right I after mean, WrestleMania 2, so 1986. Okay. So, First Blood was out a couple years. So, I'm sure they kind of, like, got that, mm -hmm. you know, from Rambo, sort of. And then, yeah, like, like you mentioned, um, he went on to become Leatherface yeah, in Japan mm -hmm. and then Super Leather. And uh, that gimmick did well for him. He became like a deathmatch guy. So as far as like the stiff thing, um, I guess he found his niche, you know, in, mm -hmm. in pro wrestling. Um, yeah, I think that if he was maybe like the first guy, not like the Sergeant Slaughter fill-in guy, maybe he would have been... Because I remember even being a kid and being like, oh, this guy's just like a fake Sergeant Slaughter. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, even as a kid thinking that. So, like, maybe if he would have been, like, the first Army guy or military guy, like, right. I might have bought it more. But definitely respect. I enjoyed this, too. I'm I'm glad you guys did. Um, Once again, like you said, John, the formula is simple. Mm -hmm. Good versus bad will never go out of style. You look at the oldest stories in the history of the world. Good versus bad. It works, man. Not everybody has to be like the badass, you know. Sometimes good guys can win or lose or whatever, but there's a story there and it's a simple formula that's been working forever. Get I want to say real quick, um, yeah, go ahead. on because you know, this is the villains, the mm -hmm. but on Sheik, 
you know, um, having Flair, classy Freddie Blassie and Nikolai ringside gave him a chance to kind of cheat and whatnot. But Sheik, um, you'll like this, Mike. Sheik's an Olympic athlete. He's an Olympic wrestler. Mm. Uh, at multiple points in this match, I kind of would like just be looking and it's like he <laughs> reminds me of Kurt Angle, like later in his career, like his build, mm. the bald head, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, shape and just kind of the way he stood around and he was a shorter in stature and i wanted to say about Sheik, like the land of the giants um he was a small guy like he really wasn't a big dude but he he has a, such a big personality and a big character and he's like iconic for that 80s boom and, and strong um, and strong yeah so good on him for really mm -hmm. overcoming the size thing though you know yep absolutely and, uh getting back to what duke was saying about uh the corporate Kirshner being like not like a substitute for sergeant as a kid i didn't know about that the first time i seen sergeant slaughter was wrestlemania seven ish when he came mm. as a bad guy i never played with a gi joe in my life i never seen mm. gi joe the cartoon i never knew sergeant slaughter was in gi joe until later on so when i mm. had that corporate Kirshner uh action figure i loved it rambo one of my favorite movies of all time i've seen a million times even at the age of seven and eight years old I was watching that movie on a loop. So this is probably why I gravitated towards that figure. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, and, but getting back to, I could see what, how you would think he's a, obviously a ripoff, but I, I did not know it. I'm glad I didn't know it either. It was actually, it worked yeah, out no, for sure. It worked out for sure. Yeah. I think and it was like, just a matter of um, like, there's only room for one guy with camouflage gear and wrestling, mm -hmm. right? Duke, would you say? Yeah. I mean, pretty much that's what it comes down to. It's like, you know, when I first saw Demolition, I'm like, oh, okay, these guys are, you know, Road Warrior ripoffs, you know. I eventually, I love Demolition, you know, after the fact. But, um, yeah, I don't know what it was. He just never really rang with me. But, again, you go back and you look back um, retroactively, and I enjoyed this a lot. Mm -hmm. So, I'm glad you well, Maybe Corporal Kirshner is uh, somewhere on the list of greatest wrestlers from Chicago. You got Punk and then maybe Kirshner. He's from Chicago, <laughs> Illinois, in doing my research. So we'll have to do a top Chicago is, wrestling. Is that, uh, like, are we talking in character? Because the Road Warriors are from Chicago, Illinois, like, mm. in character. But they're actually nah, I think legit, like, hailing, hailing legit from Chicago. Okay. Yeah, do I don't know. Episode one day. Can you guys think of any other wrestlers from Chicago? There's, oh, there's Hulk Cabana. Oh, gosh. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there's a female, too, that's from Chicago that's current. Like. is it athena or no i don't know uh so i'm gonna give you a little rundown guys all right this is a shoot wrestlers from chicago not uh gimmick this is gimmick, why people uh, are tuning into villains of the squared circle uh yeah well you got let me just because i because i saw a name pop out and i gotta mention them cm punk larry zabisco oh bobby heenan he's not uh, from indianapolis Apparently he's from <laughs> Chicago. I hate to spoil it for you. Jeez. Mm, um, Steve Mongo McMichael. Mm. Wow, how cool is that? Yeah, uh, just to name a few. But yeah, Thank somewhere in there is Corporal Kirshner. Wow, I never knew uh, Mongo was from Chicago. That's pretty cool. He grows up, becomes a Chicago Bear, and wins a damn Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. for him. That's awesome. Pretty darn cool. So, yeah, shout out to the Iron Sheik, who this was about. We've somehow gotten into a Corporal Kirchner uh, retrospective and Chicago athletes. You never know what you're going to get. Hey, people love the Sheik. Like wrestling fans nowadays, they love how wild and crazy Sheik is. Oh, yeah. 
So he gets a lot of love every day, you know, whether for, for better or worse, he's out there doing his thing. Um, so, hey, cheeky baby. Cheeky baby. Duke, before to, you go to the, yeah, I'm go sorry, ahead. before you go to the next segment, um, yep. I don't know if you guys want me, there's a segment that was cut from this tape. And the reason I now, I don't have to, I could do it now or save it at the very end. It's up to you guys. The only reason I know, because I looked in the back of the VHS tape <laughs> and I was like, I remember a certain somebody being on this tape and he's not on it after I got done finishing it. And he's advertised on the back of this tape and he wasn't on her. So I can, you want me to say that to the end? It actually Once again, right true investigative journalism yeah, I try. by <laughs> a true broadcast journalist. Zern, give it to us, brother. What do we miss? So this is the uh, debut of one of the best films in history. And he, I'm, I mean, I'm upset that he's not on his tape. Uh, Mr. Wow. Ron Terry Funk. Wow. Debuts in the WWF at the time. The reason he, um, was cut from this was he beats the living bejeebus out of mel phillips a ring a, a coke guy at the time ring announcer coke guy and if anybody doesn't know mel phillips just google him he did some very bad things he was fired he got arrested thrown in jail for some stuff that he should not have been doing in the backstage so funk took care of business on purpose because he knew this going wow. into it this guy was a pedophile wow. he was a pedophile oh my gosh this is a big this, uh, I hate to say it, but Patterson's name was thrown into this a little bit too. Yes. Um, I, I know this about from listening from Bruce Pritchard, but uh, yeah, I was like, I know Funk was on his DVD, uh, this tape, this VHS as a, I've seen his VHS before. So I, I went and searched the, the back of it, the Google uh, photos of it and it says Terry Funk. So I said, why wasn't Terry Funk in this? And then, so I forget who he fights, but it's his debut match, which is a shame. I mean, He's not on his tape. I mean, oh, he was a villain. He was a not talk about dastardly villain at yes. the time. This this dude was a nasty, grimy. Yep. He would uh he would brand you. He would spit in your face. You know for sure. Funk was a, a villain of the squared circle here. So that's one hundred percent. And even previous to his arrival here, you know, like he had a whole. It's funny because like he was a babyface, blazing babyface. Him and Dory, and then. When he did his heel work, I think it was his best stuff, honestly, because I believed every second that that guy would kill me if mm -hmm. I was near him. Absolutely. Can I just so correct? Um, can I correct the internet real quick? Mongo yes. was from Houston, Texas. That's completely okay. my bad for not being the investigative journalist that one might. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a it's a yin and yang, John. That's right. But Bobby Heenan was from Chicago, so that's crazy. You know, I, I thought he was from Beverly Hills. So thanks for spoiling <laughs> that. For me. Yeah. Um, CM Punk. That's all we need from Chicago. Mm. Now we're going to move on. A steal. No, a steal. We're still going. We're <laughs> going to we're going to switch gears here, guys. We're going to name every wrestler, manager <laughs> and people that build the ring from Chicago. John, give it to us. All right. Well, we're going to rails here. We're going to start with uh, currently right now, Mustafa Ali. It's actually from Chicago. CJ Parker, who wrestles as Juice Robinson. We got him Never from heard Chicago. Um, Larry Sweeney. Remember Sweet and Sour? R.I.P. Chicago. Uh, Jason Jordan. No longer Never active heard wrestler. Of him. Never heard of him. Adam Pierce, one of your favorite wrestlers of all time, dude. Current general Never manager. Heard of him. Never WWE. Heard of him. All right. And uh, Gary Hart. Also Chicago. 
RIP Gary Hart. There's that's a guy right there. Underrated manager right there. And that ties right into Terry Funk. Good job, yes, John. It does the JTEX yeah. Corporation. Way to do that. Nice. Way to pull way to pull that segment together. Yeah, nice. check out our um No Soul to Wrestling podcast when we talk about the greatest stables of all time. When I give a shout out to the JTEX Corporation. Mm-hmm. Like I know you're a and, big fan yeah. of them. And our manager's episode on those, so we dropped the ball about Gary Hart. We should have spent probably 10 minutes because that guy was a hell of a talker. John, we have a limited time. You know, time's money. No sold. We have a lot of projects going on. You know, we got to pay for all this airtime. We had to take a vacation recently to Cocoa Beach, Florida, funded by the Million Dollar Man himself. Like, we have a lot going on. Listeners, you have no idea what goes into all this stuff. So you you are... (laughs) really privileged to listen to this uh chicago you know this little thing we've gone off on this little ant- yeah, antidote mm-hmm. let's go back into the villains mm-hmm. i feel like there's some villains left to be talked about here are you Although, sure you don't want to talk about chicago anymore <laughs> i could talk about gary hart a little more you know i mean that's that's a villain brother he's a villain he's not, on, he's not on this tape managers though that's a great segue to talk about the next segment of this which is a manager of the year segment mm-hmm. where the manager chicago's of the year, own bobby chicago's <laughs> own bobby the brain heenan does not win manager of the year mm-hmm. right it is in fact awarded to previously mentioned captain lou albano but chicago's own he's not having any of that mike give it to us john you got this well I actually watched this recently in the Tuesday Night Titans stuff. And um, this whole poll, this manager of the year thing was like legit for a while. Like every week they would, they would update the voting. It was a big deal back then. How did manager they vote? The year. John, can I say voting. one thing? Can I say one thing? One of these sure. things I was going back on and re, like, re-watching something. So they had a, a, um, a segment with Mean Gene with the magazine, right? And it had this poll said wrote for the manager of the year i'm not lying to you yeah this was off of youtube i said i said how weird is this that i seen this and then in the same tape is the manager of the year i said it was legit great yep that's great yeah and and they really um they did a number on on captain lou and then eventually hillbilly jim who was standing there he was really Mm. like working the polls for captain lou was hillbilly jim like he (laughs) really well the poll you know the voting the voting yeah yeah Oh, you know. okay, Mike. He, come he, on, brother. Yeah, come on, come brother. on, brother. Keep it clean here. Sorry, Hill Billy Jim's a wholesome man from uh, the can country. I brother get a table dance? Uh. <laughs> I'm just was... envisioning now Hillbilly Jim and those overalls. <laughs> oh, gosh, like, you know, working, working the voting working. polls, bro. He, voting there we go. Polls. There okay. we go. He was trying we to it. get it. He was trying you to get Lou listen, man. You got to be specific. Some people have. Yeah, you know weird things you. in their heads. You know, this actually takes Listen. place on election day too. Oh, how about there that? You, well, there, there you go. Very relevant. Nineteen eighty-five. At, at a strip club. Did you club, vote? Right? Was did this at a strip club too? John, you were yeah. two years old. Did you vote? Um, I I colored in my vote. <laughs> yeah, with a little uh, Crayola purple crayon. Yep. Yeah. Nice, nice. So yeah, but uh, this was really revolving around the fact that Bobby Heenan was was sicking his henchmen on these mm. uh these baby faces. Hillbilly Jim and, and Captain Lou, who was a babyface at the time. We we got to see Big John Studd and King Kong Bundy, the Heenan family, which started this show 
as the a entire Heenan family, which which we didn't see really, other than the first part and the last part. Yep. Um, man, at one point we got to see the big old, you know, Andre and Big John Stud collision, where Stud, responsible for cutting Andre's hair, was going for more of the the hair cutting. Andre bit his arm while, while <laughs> Stud had the scissors in his hand. Um, I love this arena that was going on. I always. I don't know. I'm a sucker for the platform going up to the ring. You know what I mean? Where there's, um, mm-hmm. I guess it's like where the stage meets the ring and, and it's just like on even level playing field. Like uh, so uh, that, WCW Clash of Champions style. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. So with yeah. the Andre Stud match, that's what that was the situation here. Crowd was absolutely insane. You could see security guards in the front row holding people back and Big John Star and, and then King Kong Bundy coming in. Man, young man once again, but right thrusted yeah. right into this big situation, literally big, and dropped what ten splashes on on Andre. Just kept delivering splash after splash. Get a little boost. Well, no, me. you're talking about. Are you talking about Hillbilly Jim still? This segment. I'm sorry, I moved on to the whole thing. I was Andre. very, oh, okay. con- I was very confused. Yeah, confused me that well, because I wanted to going on. Talk about something talk about Hillbilly. That. You, you real, hit me with real the real quick, the Mike, before thing. you wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, one thing I agree with you, crowd was like going crazy. Um, Bundy's like athleticism, like you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, how young he looks and like how he's bouncing off those ropes. Uh, Big John Stud taking him out, just like that leg tackle, I thought was cool on the hillbilly. But one thing, um, Jesse the body's on commentary here mm-hmm. and just brought it to another level, in my opinion, like his. His commentary just brings so much more to the segment that he's involved in. And Mike, I'll let you uh, wrap it up for us. No, I was just getting back to that manager of the year because I didn't even know we ended that segment. I was just uh No, no, we're still there. We're still there. John still jumped here. ahead. Okay. John jumped ahead. Jesse yeah, want... was on this segment. Jesse yeah. was on the manager of the year segment. Okay. I just wanted to when Bobby smashed that trophy, that just reminded me of a uh, yeah, when, uh, when Brett Banu's yep. smashed the trophy. Yeah. Yep. That's all I had to say about that. Well, what'd you give us a give us a rating, pal? Hey, hey, brother, I loved every wow. second of it. Yeah, I love. Is that it. our first day? No, no. Okay, we had one for um, Pedro and Pedro. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the Macho Man segment. I think with Tito, he also delivered it. Okay, May, okay. Yep. for sure. John, I um, know you jumped ahead. Did you just want to? You want to forget everything else? You want to just go home, clock out? <laughs> no, I just really love that stuff. And it was in the Maple Leaf Gardens, and that stuff where you know these heels attacked Andre. You had the baby faces running out, killer bees. I just love that whole segment. It was. Uh, I didn't know if we were again, wrapping it all up because you know, like wrapping up this whole thing as a whole with the King Kong Bundy with the Heenan family because it was like. No, like stuff. like the rest of the entire show that we've done, we're going segment by segment. Okay. If let's, that's let's all right with, with you. Segments. Yeah, let's do that. Let's go to the right. next segment. So we wrap that up. Zern gives it an A. Um, we're going to move on now to Andre the Giant versus Big John Stud. Hmm. Um, John Boy kind of jumped ahead on this one. So we'll just... Uh, do you have anything else to add on that one, Mike? Andre and Stud here? Um, the one thing I have to say is the placement of this uh match so watching this i'm like i did a little back back history and i was like oh i found out what happens prior to this so i made a bunch of notes right then i come to find out later on in this tape that what i made notes about actually happens on this tape all right oh wow so so they should have 
reverse the matches yes. in order that they happen. And that's a big, big yep. no-no in my, I mean, yeah. Okay, once again, um, no, I mean, I, I gave this segment a, a B minus. I did like it. It's just that the placement of it was totally wrong on this tape. Yeah. And like, it's funny because we give the WWE now so much credit mm -hmm. for their production quality. And this tape is like really not that. And they say it in the beginning, you know, they give us the warning, but for sure, this one, I felt like you should have definitely seen them in sequential order for sure. John, do you have anything else on this one before we move on? No, I kind of, I said a lot obviously already, but you know, this, the famous angle where Stud and Patera cut Andre's hair, this was all wrapped up, but still in that angle involving the Heenan family. And I just think it's a great underrated Andre angle um, because it is later, oh, yeah. you know, but obviously it led to stuff with Stud. And um, it's just, I think it's all great. Uh, the visuals of it all, like I said, Maple Leaf Gardens. I loved it. That was great. And once again, it was probably something as simple as like Andre was probably like, I'm going to get a haircut. And Vince probably heard that and was like, well, wait a minute. You know, we'll make something out of it. I bet you. Yeah. I bet that's what happened, you know. So then we're going to we're winding down now. We have the next segment. It just kind of like abruptly happens. Mm -hmm. So it just starts with King Kong Bundy attacking Hulk Hogan. But it looks like this is. Hulk Hogan taking on Magnificent Morocco Correct. in a WWF title match. And then Bundy just kind of jumps him from behind. So, Mike, I know you're the broadcast journalist that you are. You looked this up. Where did this take place? What was the time period? So we're looking at a March of 86. And this was from Saturday Night's main event at that time. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so Saturday we can Night's... go back and watch this whole deal if we want to. On Peacock, absolutely, yeah. Um, since this was not much to rate on this, right? It's just a clip. Yeah. Yeah. I just, since, I mean, I'm rating for the clip that it is. I just gave it a C plus for what it was. Yeah. It wasn't much of, uh, I don't like the abruptness. There's no lead yep. in. Um, they could have did better with that. I mean, throughout this tape, uh, I know Bundy and like study noticed, like talking over some of the matches leading into some of them. I did like that a lot. They yeah. could have did something with them leading into this since they're in the studio, but. I gave it a C plus for bad production once again. Yep. John Boyd, what do you got on this one? Um, you know, Hogan, Morocco. I, I'd like to go back and watch that because um it's it's prime Hogan. It's it's also, you know, good good um time for Morocco there. But Hogan with the white knee pads in this match. Yes. I like that, man. It's a I cool love that look. you I love that you picked that up. Yeah. I, I you know, Hogan, one of the greatest of all time, for sure. Absolutely. 100%. Um, one of. So is it, do you think, because we're going to spend time on this ring attire now, of course. So do you think that, I think the yellow and red is where it's at. Like mm -hmm. I like the yellow, the red um, knee pads and the yellow boots. Do you think it just looks, because I'm with you. I thought it looked super cool, but is it just because it's different? You know, no, I, I think I prefer it, man. Really? I really okay. Do. Yeah, and I honestly think I prefer Powder Blue Hogan. Powder oh, Blue Trump so Hogan. Cool. My favorite is All White, personally. Oh, All White's great. Yeah. Yeah. But the I blue mean, you can't get any more cool. white meat baby face than just All White, right? Plus, he's like, you know, tanner than a GD hot dog, you know? So, like, it it just looks really good. Like, you know, white. Iconic face. red and yellow, though. I'm glad we're talking about the villains still. Yeah, <laughs> of... listen. 
if the Hulks is involved, he's gonna take he's gonna take the you know, it just happens, bro. We'll get more into the Hawkster next week episode. That's true. The real yeah, American point, Mike. Hulk Hogan. The All right. American. So the final the final segment. We we made it. If you're still with us, if we haven't put you to sleep after talking about pro wrestlers from Chicago, talking about Corporal Curtis. Go to sleep, CM Punk. We we made it. It's Andre the Giant teaming up with Philadelphia's own Special Delivery Jones taking on Ken Patera and that big John stud, John Boy. What do you got on this one? Man, I roll my eyes every time Ken Patera is in, in anything. And I don't mean to disrespect because I know, I think, Zern, you were you not a fan of Ken Patera? Or were you not? I don't know. I were you or were you not? <laughs> um, I respect Ken Patera for I know a lot of guys don't a lot of people don't like him. Um I for some reason used to watch a lot of him in the eight late eighties, nineties. I remember the Ken Patera story, in which one day we'll get to. Oh him. yeah. Yep. Um his whole McDonald's, you know, what happened there, that was national news. I remember that as a kid. Um, but I remember him as a baby face growing up, not as mm -hmm. a blonde heel, Bobby mm -hmm. Heenan. Um, so that being said, um, was I a fan? No. Did I watch a lot of him? Yes. I was just curious because I know, yeah, we we back in the day, I think used to give Patera some props. Um, I know Ric Flair thinks so. Like people do know about his legitimate athletic sure. background, wrestling back, but Ken Patera and all this stuff that I watch, I mean, as a strong man and all that stuff, um, he would hold, you know, the truck back with his legs, with his back up against the wall. Oh, yeah. There's segments where you could see his his feats of strength. I just think as a worker, as a wrestler, you know, I, sometimes it just takes me out of it. I don't, I just don't, I don't think uh, Patera belonged with Heenan. Like, I don't think he belonged as maybe a, as a heel. He wasn't a convincing heel, but um, we are talking about the villains here. And it was mostly Big John Studd. Like you guys said, this these mm -hmm. segments were out of order. It was, they was they were cutting Andre's hair. And if you ask Vince McMahon, they raped him of his dignity. Oh, yeah. That so was Vince so McMahon's, weird, dude. He said it multiple times. He did, yeah. It's well, the really last thing, and it's the last thing he says before, like, they cut it off, too. I was like, Vince, come on, bro. Like, mm -hmm. Very weird choice of words, Vince, Smith, yeah. Vince and McMahon. Um, so, you know, I think you guys are right. It was shot out of, uh, out of order, or at least presented on this tape out of order. And we got to see them cutting Andre's hair, which led to that big angle we just talked about. You know, this was just a segment. Um, once again, not a whole match, so... Mike, what'd you have on it? What'd you rate it? Well, the uh, the difference in time between what we've seen prior to this, him getting his hair cut to what we watched before is uh, actually four months. So in that four months, they would be feuding the whole entire four months. Mm -hmm. um, uh, like I said, this was just a segment. I had this. Um, I liked the whole like hair cutting thing. I, I don't know if you, how you guys felt about that. I liked the whole entire deal. I, I, like I thought it was good. So I, I gave it a B minus. Um, I quite honestly, if this was first and I was mad that I wasted my time doing research, <laughs> like I felt like a fool. All my notes <laughs> that I have here, raping Andre of his dignity, like all this stuff yeah, is, so is, weird. is up here. And but anyway, that being said, if I didn't watch that first one, they're in order. I'm going to give it give credit for it. I have a B minus for the segment. I absolutely liked it. I liked the haircutting. I liked Big John Stud. I'm a fan of Bundy. I'm not a fan of, but Big John Stud, absolutely a fan of. So great angle, great angle. 
Yeah, and I'm with you. Um, I take that I'm, back. I'm like, I'm sorry. I gave this an A. I'm sorry. Okay. This was an A. Even better. Because I think putting yourself in that position in 1984, and that's where I try to put myself at, and going through it's all huge. this. Be, being in the crowd and watching all this, that's where I try to put myself in all this stuff. I said, bravo. I said, this was great. This is an, this yeah. was an A. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's a big deal. You know, Andre was pretty unstoppable back then. And for them, you know, to go in and, you know, take him down and then the ultimate embarrassment, like cut his hair, like that's that's a big deal. And like, I'm normally with you on Ken Patera, John Boyd. Like, I don't really, you know, all due respect, right? Like he was a strong man. He was an Olympian. Um, I think Ric Flair is probably high on him because he's from Minnesota. I'm sure mm -hmm. he probably trained with him and stuff like that. But I did think that Patera was pretty damn cool in this segment. Like he did the um he walked to like the middle of the ropes and then like came oh, off. Did, did you splash. guys? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty like this is 1980. What, Mike? 1984. 1984. Like you didn't really see that stuff, you know, so yeah. like I thought that was kind of cool. And like. Then the repeated elbow drops, like I felt like we're, we're convincing. He seemed like he did seem like a villain to me. He seemed like a prick, you know, in this. Um, and I agree with you. He didn't really translate well as a heel because like he's out there in like the Olympic gear, which we would see obviously in the 2000s, late 90s, another Olympic guy that would be a heel. So what do we know? But right. I did think uh, he was pretty damn cool in this segment. So. Mm -hmm. like we mentioned it was just out of order um still enjoyable because it, it certainly was a big deal to see you know andre the giant this you know literal giant slain in front of our eyes so mm -hmm. they're they're just evil villains man having their way with them that's yeah. it going to the squared circle they well, could but... make a whole tape out of it mm. <laughs> yeah and that you know what's interesting did. as the credits rolled because this was the, this was the uh final segment final final match I watched the credits. It was cool seeing a lot of names that I hear Bruce Pritchard talk about, mm -hmm. Craig Leathers and all these guys, mm -hmm. these producers that really, you know, helped put this Coliseum video, this Titan, Titan sports stuff together. But also during the credits, they were doing freeze frames of each match. And you're right, Mike, there was a freeze frame of Terry Funk in there. Oh, so wow. they never cut they never cut that out of the they tape. Forgot to cut that part out. Yep. That's what made me How go. I was like, that's what made me go back and do all that. Okay. Like, Where oh, was right. he? And I, I remember even without seeing that cut, I'm like, where's Terry Funk? At? I remember, I don't know why that, I think just, just seeing that name, you know, sometimes you remember these Coliseum home videos, like I said, you're at West Coast video, you're just reading these things. Yep. And it triggered a, a memory from when I was 10 years old or 11 years old. So it's funny. Yeah. It's always good to go back and relive your childhood or just relive or, you know, for the first time, see this stuff, you know, cause yeah. we weren't even thought of for some of this stuff we weren't even born yet so right it's it's fun um hopefully you enjoy it as much as we enjoy bringing it to you mm -hmm. so before we wrap up on this one do you guys have anything else from villains of the squared circle so i want to say um yeah this is such a fun project like you said um to kick it off you know when we started with episode one these are vhs's we used to see back in the day and um, they were, it was like the Holy Grail. If you could get your hands on some of them, you would always rent them. But if you could find them, the purchaser, you had the, the means to do so. That was great. Find them at a flea market. So, yeah, it's cool to go back and watch these and find out that, man, 
that guy was way better than I ever gave him credit for. Or mm-hmm. when they teamed up together or, oh, my God, they're doing commentary, you know, like just hearing Ernie Ladd. And um, even at the at the end, of credits, like it said, research, special thanks, Howard Finkel, Titan Sports, like <laughs> the man Fink, you know, on the job doing all the research. Um, would you care? Would you guys care to give, um, you know, a star of the tape? Someone who stood out um, for mm-hmm. you guys as maybe like uh, the highlight, the ultimate highlight of Villains of the Squared Circle? Yeah, it's a good idea. For me, um, my star of the tape, we got to go with the villain because it is the Villains of the Squared Circle. Mm-hmm. And my villain of the Squared Circle, my star of the tape is the Magnificent One, mm-hmm. Don Morocco. How nice. about you? Mike, Mike, who do you have? Who's your star of the tape? Well, I had Morocco as well, so I'm going to take that off and I'll give somebody else. I'll, he's been drafted, so I'll give another one. <laughs> um, unless when you want to do a unanimous unanimous deal. Well, it won't be unless unanimous it... from me, brother, because okay. I have a different star. My star yep. of the tape, if you don't mind, yeah. I'll, just give you, I'll give you mine, mm-hmm. is one George the Animal Steel, a true right. villain, a true scary villain. Mm-hmm. This guy was rabid in this match he was yeah. out for blood literally he was using everything he can get his hands on he was scary he was i think the fans in the crowd were on you know unpredictable george Steele here he's yeah. my star of the tape who would have thought it you know it was cool though he was actually who i had second as well so we can Perfect. yeah he was my number two so there we go what you I have on Matt morocco though because you have morocco you like steel what did you think what what stood out for you with morocco Mike, I just really enjoyed the whole entire spotlight on him. I thought it was very well done. Like I said, compared to the end of Piper, I thought they dropped the ball. If you would have asked me going into it, we got a Morocco and we got a Piper. I'm like, all right, I'm looking forward to the Piper more. But uh, they did a great job in Morocco. I don't think the same person did the same exact segments. I think it was two different people doing the segments. And I thought they did a great job in Morocco um from head to toe and i really i like the time spacing that's just one another thing that's weird about this tape and it's a good thing too you get like a a 14 year gap between matches so it's like basically watching a dvd now or blu-ray now 2010 to or 2009 to you know to current day all being on the same collage which they have done now of course Mm -hmm. the best of tapes but it's kind of weird in this era to be watching that like having such a big gap yeah, what's your letters? What, let's give our letter school grade for uh, sure. Villains of the Squared Circle before Duke takes us out of here. But what was uh, yeah. what, what was your letter score grade, Duke, for this uh, Villains of the Squared Circle? Why don't you hit us? For this one, once again, it's always enjoyable to go back and watch, um, you know, the old school stuff, the stuff I grew up on. But I just felt like this was the tape was a mess. It was just, um, <laughs> you know, at WWE has become so synonymous with great production. And this one was just all over the place. I would be hyped for segments and then it's literally 30 seconds. So um, solely because of like the star power guys that I enjoy seeing, I gave it a C plus overall. Okay. Um, I enjoy it still, you know, anytime I get a chance, but like I wanted more, you know, it kind of left me wanting more. Yeah. I put myself on my couch in 1986 when I watch this, not 2023, because it's kind of mm-hmm. hard. Because, like you said, the production level is great now. Yeah. Um, so I put myself back then as a five, six year old watching this. How would I think of this tape uh, when I graded all this stuff? Um, that's why I gave that Andre segment an A. Um, overall, I gave it a B minus. 
uh, 2.60 GPA if we're going by GPAs. Now, B minus though, and um, I really enjoyed this tape. It's it was really close to being almost perfect for me, minus a couple like if the Piper was done a little bit better, if the Andre segments were flipped, um, a couple of you know, a couple of the if Kurt Hennig was on the tape, absolutely, that, <laughs> that really would have been it. Um, yeah, if uh, some of the other you know, things I gave a C, you know, weren't on there. Two, two things I gave a C. It was close to being an A. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I highly enjoyed it. I came out of this, like, with a smile on my face. So, that was, that's, that's what we want. So, yeah, that's, that's what we want. Yep. I think, um, I, same exact grade as you, Mike. I had a B minus. I don't okay. mind jumping around. Um, you know, for some of these guys, like, you know, Tor Kamada, you know, or even to see the, the very brief Lou Albano, George. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon match. It was cool to just see small doses of some of these characters just mm -hmm. to get a taste. And um, I loved the stuff with George Steele. I loved the stuff with Andre at the end and, and the whole Heenan family. The Morocco stuff was great. Seeing Piper is always great. I'm with you, B minus. You know, young me um, would have probably been glued to this and just been, you know, petrified of George Steele and stoked <laughs> to see Savage get that IC title. A little bit of everything. It wasn't perfect. But as we continue with these Coliseum videos, uh, rewatches with Coliseum Classics, I think we're going to come across an A-plus one of these times, I think. Yeah, like I said, this was pretty pretty close to it. If you take a couple of – maybe the two clunkers out that they had, this is like this is as close as – I know what you're saying. Like a lot of stuff was short. And maybe it's because I went and searched out for the actual full matches, so maybe that's not fair. But guess yeah. what? Who cares, right? Yeah. I'm allowed. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. your grade, and you can do what you want with it. <laughs> And, right. you know, nothing's perfect except for Kurt Hennig, you know, you so sure. the search for the perfect VHS Coliseum home video will continue next week mm -hmm. when on Coliseum Classics, we watch and review Hulk Hogan, a real American. So be sure to tune in for that. Be sure to check that out yourself. We're giving you the info, guys. Go on Peacock. Go wherever you got to go. Watch Hulk Hogan, Real American, so you can follow along with us on this journey. Um, make sure you follow us on social media at no sold underscore podcast on Instagram. Um, we have MySpace up and running. Tom's there running that. We're on Facebook. We're on TikTok. We're on Wolf. Uh, we're on Tout. We're back on Tout. Learn's running tout. We just restarted yeah. it. Mm -hmm. uh, nice. Such an original idea. Trademark. So be sure We're actually going to be um, sending out VHS copies of all mm -hmm. of these episodes we record, you know, just for the old school vibe. We're going to mail them out. So if you care to write in with your mailing address. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we'll we'll Send them. a self-addressed stamped envelope. Mm -hmm. And don't forget to. Sold at tout.com. At tout.com. And don't forget to vote for this year's manager of the year. Write that vote in through your WWF magazine. Yes, that's it's a big, true. Big, big thing this year. And then when John wins and I'm going to bash him with the trophy. <laughs> that's right. Rock and then skip vote. ahead five segments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're going to talk about Chicago more next week, so make sure you tune in. Watch for... some old George the Animal Steel. Yeah, and Magnificent Morocco. This is going to nice. get you in the whole mood. Go back and watch this stuff. For my man John, host of No Sold, a wrestling podcast. For Zern, our resident professor. My name's Duke. Be sure to tune in next week when we review Hulk Hogan, a real American, right here on Coliseum Classics. Mm -hmm.